Alright guys, what's up? Welcome to episode number 60 of Beef's Beef. I have a special guest on here today. One of my good friends. You've seen him in the newspaper here recently and in the past when he was coaching here. You seen you heard him on the Drew Diener show last week. Um, I mean, you like I said, you've seen him everywhere here lately because of the story we're going to talk about today. Uh, I coached with him at Moore. Met him at a fireworks store, actually, which I'll talk a little bit more about. <laughs> but uh, who I have on with me today is my good friend Richard Gatewood. How's it going, man? Going good, my man. Glad to be here. So uh, he's he's come up recently because of a job he had for, what, about not even a year yeah. uh, at a prep school down in South Carolina. It was actually pretty cool because you were really close to where my family lived. So, I mean, I was gonna I was actually going to plan on coming down there and watch you a couple yeah. times. Yeah. And stuff didn't work out. Um, but... So, Richard's cousin is one of my best friends, and he was working at a fireworks store with another one of my best friends. Went over there one day just to see my buddy. He was like, oh, this is DJ's cousin. We we met there, and then the next year, he and I worked at the same one. So, while he was working at this fireworks store, this was the summer, while he was an assistant at J-Town. Mm-hmm. So, he's coaching at J-Town, and me and him kept getting in trouble when we were working together because... We'd just be standing in the middle of the aisles just talking basketball all the time. <laughs> so our boss is like, look, she sent us home on like July 3rd. Yeah. She's like, if you're not going to do any work, I'm just sending you all home. And I was like, cool. And I was like, dude, what are you doing for the 4th? Like, let's get together or something. So we actually went to his house out here in J-Town, which is where I'm at now. It's not the same house, but we came out here and we lit fireworks. Zach yep. Price came over. And yep. We just sat there and talked basketball. And he told me then, he said, Brandon, if I ever get a head coaching job, I'm calling you to be one of my assistants. I was like... You just let me know when. We would stay in touch off and on, and then like three years later, I get a a call, or I get a text, because I work third shift at UPS, and he's like, hey man, you remember when I told you I wanted you to be one of my assistants? And I was like, yeah. He goes, well, I guess it's your time to step up now. Yeah. I said, oh. (laughs) I I wasn't expecting it to happen that fast. And I was like, let me me get back to you tomorrow. He said, cool. Job's yours until you tell me it's not. I said, all right. So I called him the next day. I talked to a couple of people, and they're like, why are you even asking this? Like, this is what you wanted to do. Yeah. And I was like, all right, cool. So I called him. I was like, all right, man. He's like, all right, cool. Come see me tomorrow. So we went up there and went through all that stuff, and I was the head of sixth grade coach, and I was assistant on every other level. Mm-hmm. And, guys, when I tell you this, I'm not just pumping this guy up. This dude has the best scouting ability of anybody I've ever been around. And I think any person you ask that knows him and has been around him will tell you the exact same thing. I, I never told you this, but we were playing uh, Fairdale the year we were there, and I gave my brother the scouting report. I said, sit behind our bench or sit in between the benches and read the scouting report and tell me. He texted me after the game, and he said, oh, my God. I said, what? He goes, I literally knew what they were going to do. Before they did it. Before they did it. <laughs> he said, he said the scouting report was, like, ungodly accurate. Yeah. I said, he made me a believer when I saw the first one when we went to Butler. And it was a six-page front and back scouting report. Had everything about every player. Even players that people that were had kids on the team didn't even know t- kids were on the team. Yeah. And and then we get, I, we get to playing games, and I see some of the talent we have, and I'm like, with his ability and this kid's ability, we're about to make some noise. Yeah, we it did. did. It didn't end the way we wanted it to. We had an unfortunate event happen at the end of our game there in the region tournament, which yeah. I thought we would have won Yeah, had that not happened. Um, 
but after that, you made the move to Taylor County. So when I, this is something I never even asked you. How long were you even talking to Taylor County when, or when did when did they come to you? It was probably I would say late July, early August, right before school started. Um, it kind of kept leading because their coach at the time hadn't resigned yet, but was going to, and we could just kept you know kept getting told that it was going to happen. It was happening, so we kept waiting, and then school finally happened, and I got contacted by them, and I went down there and interviewed, met with the superintendent and the principal, and. You know, was sold immediately just simple fact because they they were like the current AD now at Moore, Tim Gentry, who's all about athletics. They know that not just basketball, football, every sport, no matter what sport you are good in, it can drive the school. Uh, so it was it was late July, early August, right before school started, and they didn't. I was actually going to sign my teacher's contract uh, at Moore, and they were trying to tell me, "Look, wait, wait, wait," so we can finally get this finalized and. They did, and man, we had three years that were uh, that were great. So it's funny you say about the fireworks show, though. I mean, the fireworks store when we used to work there. Yeah. So that year when I worked there with you, I worked there. I was subbing before then. I used to clean a dialysis center at night. <laughs> oh man! And then I was coaching summer league basketball. So that whole year, I worked like two or three jobs plus coaching. And then Tori, my wife, was was pregnant with our first kid, yeah. uh, Cooper. So. A lot of people don't know, realize, like, even though when you get into coaching, like, and that's the thing, like, when we did it, like, and, you know, I applaud my wife for this because we, I worked, we worked so many different jobs just to make ends meet, so, you know, I could do that, but people don't realize how many lives we affected, you know, like you said, we came over our house and we had players over there setting off fireworks with us, like Zach Price and, you know, whoever. Zach saying... Getting a phone call from Shane Mahan and saying he's stealing snacks out of his refrigerator, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like stuff like that. And yeah. at that time, like before, I was doing stuff like this. Like that stuff was blowing my mind. I'm like, I'm sitting there with Zach Price, and he's talking about Shane Mahan taking snacks. That was yeah, like that was amazing yeah. to me. But yeah, yeah, I mean, Zach is still in contact with oh, you. With and you were yeah. just an assistant with yeah. him. Yeah, and he looks at you more of a mentor than he did his head coach. Yeah, yeah. and. To me, like that's not surprising to me because I know the type of guy you are. Yeah. And even when you got to where you were in South Carolina, anytime I texted you, it would take you a little bit because you were busy, but you would always text me back. Yeah. And yeah. you would always call me back if I called you. Yeah. And it's it's never been any different with that. And so, absolutely, with how many lives, it, it, it's crazy how many lives now because now I'm seeing I'm going to I went to JJ's game Friday mm-hmm. and I told you. I mean, he still gave me a big hug. It's it's amazing how many lives you can affect in coaching and you don't even really realize it. Well, that was one of the reasons why I wanted you on staff because, like you, Eric Smith, and all the other guys that we had is, I mean, not only do you have to be a good basketball coach, but you've got to be able to relate to kids. And at the end of the day, you know, I think God put me on this planet that not only that I can relate to any kid, no matter if he's black, white, whoever, whatever age, girl, boy, you know, I can relate to just about anybody and you know, that was one reason why we hired you, and, and that's the thing. You impacted J.J.'s life when he was in the sixth grade. So now he's a senior in high school. He's one of the best football players in the country, and you show up on the sideline, yeah. and he's yelling at you during the game. I got to tell this story because I told you. So I go to his game Saturday, or Friday. It's his second game that I've been to. I went to their second game of the season against Collins, and I was like, oh, it's their senior night. They have – the quarterback I coached, he's actually a junior this year. He actually mm-hmm. played up. As a fifth grader. As a Ray fifth Bond. grader. And that kid was a stud. Yep. <laughs> and then I had Larry Johnson, who's a running back, who was a senior. And then J.J. Weaver, which if you listen to me and you're from this area, you know who J.J. Weaver is. Mm-hmm. He's one of the top-rated recruits in the city for 
for football offers from every school you can think of, yep. pretty much other than Alabama. The thing is funny about that. Let me let me tell this quick story. So I remember when he first got here, and I gave you the job, and I call you, and I said, "Dude, you're not gonna believe this." And you're like, "What?" I'm like. There's a there's a six three six four sixth grader in our school right now, and you're like, no, you're lying, no. And I'll never forget, like, and that was the first year I was a head coach, so you know I was heavily involved in the middle school program because yeah. I wanted certain guys like hired you, Trayshawn, and everybody. Yeah. And you know, I, I remember walking down the hall, and he was a head taller than the teachers, and I was <laughs> like. Oh my gosh! Now I gotta see his birth certificate. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was funny because the kids come to me and they're like, "I don't want to. I don't want to tell too much of the story because I haven't told you this, but I'm going to his commitment and I have an interview with him right after he's in his commitment." Oh, so, awesome! So I won't tell the full story about, it, but the kids came to me and were like, "Coach, we got a new kid," and I was like, "All right, just some kind of practice tomorrow." And when he walked in, if you could have seen my face, I was like. What? What like, people don't realize is when y'all used to play games and just buzz people, they'd be paired screaming, Let me see his birth certificate. Oh, I'm like, would, just let him hear you talk. So mad. <laughs> yeah, just having him talk. You sound like Earl Clark. Man. <laughs> Earl Clark, 6'8, just have the smallest voice in the world. But, and the thing is, so the, I went to his game Saturday, and like I said, Larry Johnson's a running back. I, I'm telling you, I don't think I have any coaches listening to this, but the fact that so many people are sleeping on that kid blows my mind. Yeah. Because that kid works hard. Mm hmm. You guys see him for one because oh, it's been years since I've seen him. Yeah, I'm telling you, he still looks exactly the same in the face, but you would not recognize him other than that kid is stout. Yeah, and he's like a bowling ball. He just bowls right through people. He ran a 32 and a 24 yard touchdown the other day. Yeah, so I'm standing there on the sideline with Gentry, the guy you were just talking about, and uh, JJ sees me, and they're up 22 nothing in the first quarter, so they're feeling good, and he's like. Fat boy, fat boy, and I was like, "It's good to see you too, JJ." And want you to pay attention to the game. But I mean, that's just—he's always been a jokester. I mean, mm-hmm. I used to take him home after practice and stuff too, and come back to our practice and and coach that. And then <clears throat> I was actually the one that convinced him to stand more. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I don't know if he'll give me credit for that, but I went and spoke to his parents. You were like, "You got to keep him here," like because yeah. everybody was coming after. Oh, him without that a doubt. He was in sixth grade, and everyone's like, "Oh, we just need to get him in a couple years." I went to his parents and was just like, "Look, you got to keep him here. Like, if they're good. If you're good enough, they'll find you." Yeah, and uh, so <laughs> after the game was over, he's doing an interview, and I waited out there on the field with him. He came and gave me a big hug and stuff. Just still the same, great still kid. the same kid. Yep. So. Back to what we were saying, though. So you go to Taylor County, and you get pretty much immediate success. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have – well, at that point, you had three fantastic players, and then Uh the next year you got another one. Yeah. Uh, Or was – yeah, three three fantastic players. You had David Sloan, Quentin Gooden, Ezra Oliver. Then the next year you had a transfer, Brandon Berry. Yep. And you guys went to the Sweet 16. First time in 32 years in that school, yeah. Explain what that was like. I'm not a Kentucky fan, but still being able to play in Rupp, uh, I mean. Oh man, it's 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 a surreal thing. You really don't you really don't realize it till you get there. And we try to tell our guys like you know because we practice for the whole week on a college floor because you're playing on a college floor, so it's 94 feet. High school is 84, but you think oh 10 feet, five feet on each side, it's not that big of a difference. Well, trust me, when you get up and run and, and play fast the way we do, it makes a difference. Absolutely. So, uh, and then being in the open arena, there's no way to duplicate that to prepare for it because it's so open. Um, you know, you don't, you it, you can't just explain it to you. Practice in that situation over and over again. So um, it was definitely, man, it was awesome. Uh, it's why Kentucky State High School basketball is one of a kind, just like in Indiana. 
Um, and, you know, obviously we don't have classes like Indiana, but they do play it at Rupp. And then to go back to back was just awesome. You know, it's the first time in school history. Um, you know, that's a basketball driven tradition school down there. They love their basketball. They were great to me and my family. Um, I mean, they've got over 25,000 point scores. I think Quentin named the, the new gym, the new court after him. So, I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, you know, just to, just to experience and not have all the support throughout the success that we had. Absolutely. I just remember when you told me Clem Haskins was from there, you were like, yeah, as soon as I got the job, he invited me over for dinner. And I was yeah. like, that's, that's yeah, dope. Yeah, we, uh, we, uh, I was more worried about my kids breaking something because, I mean, we went down to this little man cave and it was unreal and we just talked basketball and then it became a weekly thing. You know, we would go get breakfast and I would just pick his brain. I mean, the guy's coached at a high level. And you go in his basement and it does no justice. I mean, he's got... He's got Shaquille O'Neal's shoes sitting there signed from when he coached him in the Olympics. He's got something from Barkley. He's got something from Jordan. Then he's got all the accolades, you know. And, you know, to have a guy like that, you know, and then share his personal stories, you know, because when he went there, I think it was 63, you know, he there wasn't a lot of black kids in Taylor County. And, so he was the first for one. For people that aren't familiar, that's yeah, out in the front steps for I don't know how long. I think he said something like two weeks or something. And, you know, they wouldn't let him in. And then because his mom and dad wanted him, you know, academically to get the best, you know, uh, education that he could and man it was a, if you ever get a chance to read his book man it's unbelievable but yeah man it was it was so cool because I would just pick his brain and then you know we would have a big game you know like the first year we won the regionals and I would just say hey you know any advice that you got how to keep the players he said you know just keep it simple like you've been doing don't change too much tweak a little bit you know and just you know try to keep their mind on the go and you know he actually came in and gave us a pregame speech the first time we won it and then the second time when we were in the regional final he came in and gave a, a pregame speech, and man, you know, it was kind of like one of those things where I just stepped back and I let him go, and our dudes were ready to go. So was it planned, or was he just like, he come to you for the game, like, hey, I'm going to talk to the team? Well, we kind of said something to him, was like, you know, we'd like for you to come, and he was like, I don't know if I'll be able to get there early enough or not, but come find out, he came in, and I was like, it's on you. You know, we went over our normal duties, you yeah. know, our scouting report, we're going through hot closeouts, and how to guard them, and what, you know, what to look for, and... You know, then he goes through his spill, and, you know, I didn't really say much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you what know, do you say after that's over? You know, you just kind of, you know, hey, let's go. Let's go out here and do something that's never been done in school history. So, um, yeah, man, it was it was totally awesome, uh, you know, the three years down there and just the experience and, you know, the crowds. And that's why I tell people, like, you know, I coached on the prep level, and we played more. We probably played in front of 100 Division One coaches, but not one time did we have a home court advantage like we did when you play high school, and especially when I was at Taylor County. Just simple fact, I mean, it doesn't matter who we played, even if it was a district foe and they didn't have a great record, there would still be 2,000-plus people in the stands, yeah. you know. And and that, and that's the as a player, you want to play in those type of games. As a coach, you want to coach in those type of games, you know. And uh, it was definitely, man, something that, you know, I'll never forget. And so when you did, – did the talks come from them pretty much during this, like, end of the season? Or was it just like you were, no, I'm all in on this. If they called you, you were like, no, I'm all in on this right now. If you want to talk to me about this after the season. Or had they been in contact with you during the season? Well, I got job offers. The, the second year I was there, I got offered a private school job in Florida, in Jacksonville. And me and my wife were going to fly down there. We were going to take the kids. We were actually were going to have David go with us. And we sat down as a family, talked about it, and was like, you know what, we're going to do big things here. We're just going to tell them no. They were actually going to fly us down to see everything. And, you know, it was one of those situations where we were like, let's, let's stay where we're at right now. 
you know. And then uh, the following year with the prep school thing, um, you know, every open job that came open in the Louisville area, my name would float around. And it, it was one of those things where it got kind of old, but I always knew, I was always told by college coaches that, you know, you do a very good job because, you know, your attention to detail, obviously, with scouting. But when, when I first got into coaching, I got to watch about 10 different Division One practices from low major to high major. So basically what I did was I got the film, I got the practice plans, and I kind of just put my own emphasis and stole different things from each practice. And that's why, you know, when you've been in my practices, and that was the first year I was a head coach, everything is timed, everything yes. is done to a T. And if you don't get it by the end of the week, we're moving on. And, you know, I go to a high school practice today, and they're spending 25 minutes on a drill, and I'm like, dude, y'all are wasting time. Like, you should do 10 minutes of that drill, and if they ain't got it by the end of the week, we're moving on. Yeah. You know, plain and simple. So, um, so I was able to take everything from the different programs and put it in my own perspective. And, you know, I think it's another reason why people don't realize – until you get in it, how much work you put in it, because you were Absolutely. in it that year. But, like, the preparation from everything that I had all you guys doing, I mean, we try to run it like a college program. So I had guys tell me, it was like, man, you know, you could you could get an ops job you could, or get an assistant job and move up at a lower level. And I was like, well, yeah, but I was like, it's harder to, to make that jump from high school. And I was like, well, what if you did prep? I'm like, you know, I never really thought about that. And then the 22 feet job comes open. And I kind of Google it, research it a little bit, and – year four they were the only pe- people to beat Oak Hill that year so yeah. obviously they're doing something right yeah so next thing you know I get contacted by them uh kind of play you know cat and mouse with the guy not really interested it's right after you know I want to say in June or July yeah it was July right right I'm sorry June so we look at it we actually we end up going down there and talking to him and this this was like the first sign because we didn't know and we did our research like I hit up college coaches about it and they were like yeah man it's a good program and looking back now like I told Drew you know it was one of those things where oh they were just hoping I'd go there because they know all right if I don't have rules where I can't recruit like and that that's legitimately I can go out and recruit and get kids they're no I'm gonna get studs absolutely and they were looking at as at I can benefit them so I thought a couple of those coaches which you know I'm not gonna name but. You know, if I ever get another player, you can bet I'll never send them that player. Yeah. But looking back now, when we went down there the first time, we drove down. We've got all three kids in the back of our Honda Accord with their car seats. <laughs> and we're driving to Greenville, South Carolina. And so we get there. And I'm thinking, you know, listen, we're going to need a hotel room, you know, whatnot. Just something for, you know, me, the wife, and three boys, you know, because we just we brought our whole family down. So we get there. And we're at this, like, shady-looking hotel. And I cannot oh. remember <laughs> what kind of hotel it was. We go in the room. It's, the room's clean and everything, but my wife's already skeptic about it. And so, you know, we're just we're just like, oh, no, it's just, this is going to be bad. So then we end up going out to eat at P.F. Chang's. And the wife at the time, the owner's wife, me and my wife both kind of liked, but my wife caught it right away about the owner like how he was just kind of like a shady shyster kind of guy which he's a salesman i mean yeah. obviously most prep school owners are um so we go through the whole spew you know he's telling us this next day i'm gonna take you to show you where we practice at now um this this and this so he takes us to where they practiced last year we see the housing that they lived in and the thing was the house that they lived in at the time when i went to go visit I mean, it was like a 5,500-square-foot house. I mean, it was huge. There was bunk beds. I mean, there's probably too many kids living in it, but, I mean, it was huge. And then they had two more houses just like it. So 
it was actually the living at the time when it was there was not bad, you know. And then I asked him, you know, who's the cook? And then he says his wife. And I'm like, okay, is she a good cook? You know, she's making the meals every day. Yeah. If you're making meals for 30, 40 kids, you got to be a decent cook at the end of the day, Absolutely. you know. So we're asking all these questions, and, you know, I'm more worried about insurance, money, uh, the pay, and whatnot. And so we talk to him, talk it over, uh, see everything that they had last year, drive back. So he offers me a job, but like way below the pay I was, I was wanting. And I was like, me and my wife, I was like, let me give me a day to talk to my wife. Knew I wasn't going to take it at the time. And was like, listen, appreciate the offer, but I'm going to stay where I'm at. We, you know, I've got a good job at Taylor County. Um, my wife's got a good job down there also. We're doing a week and a half. He doubles his offer. And now it's like, oh, okay. And then he's got a contract. So I had, we had a friend of ours uh, here look over the contract. It's after it looked legit, and he was like, "It's, you know, I mean, it looks legit." He said the only thing that scared him at the time was the bankruptcy uh, clause. Basically, if they had to file for bankruptcy, like there was nothing money that would be owed to me. He was like, "That's the only thing that scared me." But he was like, "They've been around, obviously." And he's like, "If you do your research, you know," and he's like, "Me knowing you, you know, you're gonna have success no matter where you go. You know, hey, you can make that jump to college." And so, uh, you know, we thought about it, prayed about it, and at the time. You know, my mind was on getting to college. If I go yeah. there for two or three years and kill it and do extremely well and qualify kids, you know, I can make that jump. Um, you know, there's been other coaches that's done that at other prep schools. So we end up accepting it. We end up going down there. Um, I think in it was right after summer league ball, so it was during the dead period. Right before the dead period, I resigned, and it was by far one of the hardest things I've ever did since when I left Moore. You know, the thing about it when I left Moore was – the kids knew I wasn't leaving because of them, um, yeah. and you know that, and, and you know Gentry there now knows that because now they've got, you know, a principal that loves athletics. They got one of the best athletic directors around in Tim, and you know it wasn't about them at the time. It was you know it was it was other things that we had to deal with. So, but when I left Taylor County, it was like it was so tough because my kids were in a great school system. Um, you know, we had an enormous amount of success. We were going to be good again next year. So, you know, and when I gave that speech, man, it was just it was just super tough. So, um, so how, yeah. how did that, I mean, do you remember it? How did that kind of go? We had some kids crying, you know. I mean, you know, some that were just devastated because, you know, I mean, you know how you know how I am with kids. You know, when, you, when your kid plays for me, I love them like they're my own. And, you know, we kind of developed a relationship where, um, you know, that'll last a life, you know, a, li- a lifetime. So it was, it was definitely, um, it was definitely, uh, definitely tough and you know I still have a relationship with a lot of those kids you know I was so happy the year that I was gone they won the regional title because they still had a good team coming back and everybody was kind of doubting them and when they won it all you know I told them um, about Ezra Oliver you know I was like man you can't teach what the big games he's played in and when they won it man I was like I was not surprised because he's played in big time games he's made big time plays and you know it was one of those situations where I was not surprised at all. So leaving or leaving there, you you know you, you finally you take the contract. So how long after you after you said okay yeah I'll do it? How long did you how long did you take before you left to go down there, or did you go down immediately? Well, I had to go down in July so recruiting because all the prep stuff was new to me. See, because last year's team he had it was a mix of high school and post grad kids, but this year he wanted nothing but high school kids. So started out he wanted three teams. He wanted, he wanted a developmental team of high school kids, of younger kids, which is understandable. 
He wanted the national high school team, which is the one that I coached, and then he wanted a post-grad team also with fifth-year kids. So basically, when I get down there, we end up having, you know, four teams in Mountain July recruiting. You know, my wife's packing up the house here. We're trying to figure out things, how to get down there. And I'm on the road recruiting. I was in Atlanta at the Under Armour Finals, and the Peace Jam was going on. And then um, we were in uh, Spartanburg for the Adidas Finals, and then we were in Orlando for the AEU Nationals. And then my buddy John Kerry used to be assistant more here. He made the jump, come down here, and to help me out. So he was on the road recruiting with me also. And so there for about two or three weeks straight, you know, she was at home trying to get everything ready. We were trying to find a house. Well. When I first kind of figured out this wasn't a good situation, in my contract, it specifically stated that I would get housing taken care of or $1,000 towards, you know, whatever. Any housing. Any house, yeah. yeah. So I'm sitting here thinking, it might be hard to find a house right now. Just in fact, this time, I'll do a three-bedroom apartment. Something that was just clean and, you know, that was close to where I needed to be and go. So we get down there, and they say, you know, we're looking at trailers. And I'm like... Mike, there's nothing in my contract. That's our owner's name. I was like, Mike, there's nothing in our contract that says something about a double wide. Now, yeah. I'm not trying to sound snotty or nothing, you yeah. know what I'm saying? But I've got three kids. I've got a wife. We actually had dogs at the time, too. And I'm like, a, a double wide trailer is not going to do it. This is not what it says in my no. contract. And so I send my wife a picture about where we're at. And she's like freaking out. And she's like, absolutely not. She's like, it says in our contract that we get housing or a thousand dollars towards wherever you know a house that we want to live at so you know luckily thank god we ended up finding you know a house where we ended up renting it in a, in a good school district and and was able to get uh cooper into you know a good a good elementary school and got all that word about but that was like the first red flag because it's like all right man it says this in my contract and you're showing me trailers <laughs> yes i mean i couldn't even imagine the mindset you were in at that point because now you're like, all right, I'm out here recruiting, and we have four teams when we were supposed to have three, right? Mm-hmm. And now you're like, all right, at this point you're probably, all right, this isn't this isn't that bad, but you know this is the beginning, maybe. So so next, I mean, after that you're recruiting. I, first of all, because a lot of people I know that listen to this stuff aren't really familiar with the prep school. So what is the rules going into that to where you can recruit is what kids can you recruit? Like what can, what kind of things can you offer kids like that? Well, basically at the time our owner said we had five scholarships to give to my team and come to find out later on when I got the job, he didn't like scholarship in any kids because if he didn't think if they were a top five player in the country, like we didn't need a scholarship. We had a, we had more than just two kids that deserve scholarships. Don't be wrong when I get into that. But basically, as a prep school, I mean, you don't have any rules. You can recruit whenever. You can then, hey. Now, here's the difference between prep schools that are popping up in different places. Obviously, you've seen the thing what happened with One Nation today, or the Nation prep in, in Florida with that, the coach. That sound bite you showed me? Yeah. If you haven't seen that, uh, I'll, I'll retweet it on my, on my page. Listen to what this guy says to this kid. If I ever heard anyone talking to anyone that I cared yeah. about like this, it would take everything in me not to go after this guy. Exactly. Yeah. And then, not only that, you just read right before we started recording, somebody asked him if he regretted it. He said, no, not at all. Not at all. Not yeah. a chance. Because the kid wouldn't transfer. Yeah. It's like, good lord. So, so how prep schools work, you you know, you know, have your, your actual schools like Montverde, Oak Hill, 
uh, IMG Hargrave, which is a which is a post grad school, uh, Massachusetts. I mean, there's there's a ton of legitimate prep yeah. schools out here. And then you got some that are are starting these academies that hop on to these lower enrollment private schools. So, for instance, the private school that we went through in South Carolina was called Anderson, South Carolina. It was it was called Anderson uh, Christian. So basically, I would say there was probably 150 kids in a total school. It was right around 6,500 tuition. Good school academically, but very low enrollment. Kind of like Portland Christian. Exactly. So basically what they're doing is these prep schools are going to these schools and saying, hey, I can bring you 10 paying kids or I can bring you 20 paying kids into a private school that's struggling with enrollment and tuition. If they can bring that, and there are some schools that that do, you know, that come through on what they say. And, you know, there's a couple of them that are legitimate, but majority of them, for instance, don't come through. Uh, with it and the next thing you know either the school closes or they move to a different school or they move back to a certain school so that's how some of these prep schools or these academies are popping up everywhere and here's the thing 99.99 percent of these academies that are popping up it is almost impossible to make money off of them because at the time when i got done with this job me and my assistant was thinking about starting our own and we budgeted like everything out to a t i mean from food on a daily basis to uh, a house in because I mean we were legitimately thinking about doing our own and we came up it was like $252,000 is what it would cost to legitimately run a and that's a year that's one year yeah so my thing is it's like and we would look at it and it's like there's no money to be made you know now if I went to Portland Christian and said hey let's scrap you know your regular high school team because they're not very good let's let's start a prep team we're not going to compete for Catch a state state championship, but we're still going to play teams in the area, but we're going to compete on a national level, and we'll still keep some of your kids you have. Now, that would be legitimate. But now, if I go to Portland Christian and say, hey, I'm going to call myself Bluegrass Prep, and I start it, and then I don't use any of your kids, but you know, I say I'm going to bring 10 tuition, and I bring two, that's kind of like what's happening around the country. And these things are popping up everywhere. I mean, there's like there's probably 30 of them in Florida, if not more now. I mean, obviously, what you just said, that's that's where that just happened was in Florida. Yeah. So, I mean, we got the one here. Yeah, I got the one here. It, and that's, you know, that one is recently switched schools, and I know the guy that runs it, and they just added a postgrad program. So, you know, and I've known Jeremy for a while, so we'll see if that one continues to go. It's just so hard, man, because it's a lot of money. People don't realize that that's going into it at the end of the day, you know. So, but, yeah, we get down there, we're recruiting, um, and then – Basically, in my contract, it states anything that I do recruiting, I get reimbursed for. So, food, travel, anything. Which is like any business. I mean, they do that where I recruit for my job. I pay for my plane ticket. I pay for my hotel. And then when I get back... You keep all your receipts. You send in, uh, send in the paperwork, yep. and then they approve it, and they give you the money back. So basically, dude, I mean, when I say I had an envelope, I mean super duper thick of receipts. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he told, me, he told me he was like gas everything. So I did. So recruiting gets done. We end up having like a couple more kids visit. Well, we end up having forty two kids with four teams, and basically we had two post grad teams, which one was like eleven and one was ten. Then we had 11 on my team, which was the main national high school team. And then we had 11 on um, the the developmental team. When I figured out quickly was when the teams got down there, He the property that he bought that I showed you the pictures, basically he had a guy make fake legitimate diagrams of like, this is what we're going to build. This is what's going to be done by the end of August. And this is what he was showing me back in July. He's like, it's being so, built now. So- 
He was only showing you pictures. He wasn't showing you actual buildings. No, dude, he had he had legitimate plans though. I mean, oh my goodness, he really, See, I thought I thought you were saying he was walking you through buildings. No, he had he had he had. I mean, this stuff looked legit. I mean, I like even portfolio. Do, with I like, even looked at the company that did it, and it was an actual architect. Like the jeez. So he basically bought this property. Uh, had a, like a, a six thousand square foot house on it. Very beautiful, like kind of ranch style home. On the back, it had a huge barn with living quarters in the middle of it that where, I guess it was the jockeys and, and the horse attendees used to take care of the horses. They used to live. I mean, it was nice. Well, on the outside was stables, right? I mean, it yeah. was huge. And he's showing me this, and he's like, yeah, this is going to go here, and then we'll have the parking lot right here. So I'm like, all right. So he's showing me that in July, and then we get all the kids there, and then the next thing you know, I'm like, Mike, like, where's the construction going to start? Like, are we going to be in Greenville or are we going to be in Anderson? Because you t- you've been in my wife down here now. You know, you're going to, we're supposed to be in Anderson. Yeah. He's like, well, we're the first part, we're going to have to commute. I'm like, so where are we going to practice at? So come to find out, the school that we went through, we can only practice from 5 to 7 or from 8 to 10 at night. Now, you name now. Well, you I mean, I guess teams. with that post grad team, it doesn't really matter, but you have two other high school teams. Exactly. You how are you supposed to fit? Yeah. So, and the whole time he was telling us, we would have that gym whenever we wanted, <clears throat> which was kind of odd to me because I'm like, all right, you got a whole private school, and you're going to have middle school, volleyball, high school volleyball, all these different sports programs, and they're just going to give us their gym? I was like, no. So, come find out. We, we end up trying to like find another gym. You know, thank the Lord, right across the street from the property was New Spring Church. Well, me and my wife and our kids, we go to Southeast now, but at the time we were trying to find a church down there. Unbelievable church. Like, they've got them all over South Carolina, but that was the main campus. One of the best ministries I've ever been to as far as, like, worshiping. I mean, I could listen to those guys worship for days. I mean, it was unreal. I'll make a long story short, they had a million-dollar gym on property that they never used. Well, Matt Bailey, who was over the property there at the time, I became real tight with. He ended up letting us use their gym from 8 to 2 o'clock every day, anytime we wanted to. Now, every now and then, oh, yeah. at night, oh, yeah. that's my son. Yes. <laughs> so, this is, I mean, this is what you guys get when I when I do these interviews. It's, it's no holds bar. We're at, you got three little boys under so. seven. So, but, um, so, so, 8 to 2, and you guys can go in there anytime yeah, you want. Yeah, so, and then every now and then, he would let us. And here was the thing, though, like... The rims weren't great, but the floor was one of those kind of like fake wood floors. But it, but it did like it was perfect. For yeah, us, you know, it was. We were blessed beyond measures. Well, we get end up getting that gym, which ends up working out. So finally, he starts construction on the property down in South Carolina, or down at the, his property with a ranch style house. Well, next thing you know, he's just gutting the stables out and he's making walls he's putting walls up and I'm like Mike what what are you doing this is not what you showed me in the plans he's like yeah these are going to be the dorms and I'm going to put a pod over there and I'm like a pod he's like yeah you know like a, the picture I showed you as well yeah. that 20, 20 feet by 15 feet wide just basically like a plywood like a little miniature house with the air conditioning in it and I'm like Mike this is not what we discussed I was like so basically all these kids that we've been telling, you've been showing these plans that we've been showing, is all a lie. Yeah. And so the thing about Mike at the time was he was the so, best. So set something up here. This guy's from a different country. He's from the Netherlands, yeah. So does he have an accent? Does he English English accent, but he's from the Netherlands, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so he's got an accent. 
So he's probably smoothing you over with that too. Oh, without a doubt. He was yeah. uh, when I say he could sell ice to an Eskimo, there is no doubt about it. So I mean, he's selling you all this stuff, and you're just like, okay, okay, and you're hearing stuff from college coaches. There's no reason for you not to believe this stuff. I'm trying yeah. to turn me to that with sign. Yeah. So it's like I can't wait to get into the rest of this because it's like this is already starting good, <laughs> and just. The fact that we're going to talk more about this, I can't wait to hear it because just like they're going to listen to this later, I'm listening to this now because you've told me certain stuff, but some of this stuff, like never the, into the yeah, details. they've never yeah. gotten into the details about it. Yeah. So, so he, he says, all right, I'm going to build a pod, which that's, that's tiny. And yeah. you're talking, you have 42 kids on the team Yeah. and all this stuff. So, I mean, where at this point, where at this point do you go? Well... So now we, uh, now he's putting these plywood walls up where the stables used to be, and he's like laying plywood down. He's putting carpet down, and I'm like, so the dorms all along were going to be the stables. He's like, yeah, you know the money. I'm sitting there thinking, well, here's the thing: we've got 42 kids, right? Of the 42, there's only two getting scholarship, and so one it's of 40 those, kids paying, paying tuition. And here's the thing: on average, the tuition that was getting paid from these kids were anywhere from. Seven dollars to $8,000 to $22,000. Jeez. Here's the kicker. He made every single kid, even the scholarship kids, pay a $1,500 uh, registration fee. So basically, use paperwork and something. So right off the top, he got that $1,500 like that. Yeah. So you do the math. 42 times 1500 $1, That's That's a lot of money. That's, so. <laughs> that's a lot. That's like, that's about twenty grand somewhere around there. Yeah. So you get... You get that right off the top. So I'm sorry. I'm way off. That's yeah. $63,000. Yeah, so he gets that right <laughs> off the top. So we've only got two scholarship kids at the time. Um, one was in the – he's in up Mamadou Diera. He's a sophomore at Cincinnati. He's going to have a big year this year. And then Daniel Saki, who's a freshman at Valparaiso this year. So those are the only two kids that were on the scholarship. And at the time, I had to beg him to give them two a scholarship because he didn't think they were good enough. He thought Mamadou should pay around – Five thousand. He thought Daniel should pay for six, even though they were getting recruited by everybody else in the country. <laughs> so at that time, when I was when we got into it, you know, this whole time these dorms were getting built. I'm like, that's when I'm trying to figure out. I'm like, you know, this is this is not going to be good because I said I've got two scholarship kids. I'm not saying my team wasn't good, yeah, but majority of the teams that we were going to play had ten plus scholarship kids. So it's like going into a gunfight with a knife. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, was what I'm thinking. So my team in general. I want to say, outside my two scholarship kids, I want to say we probably had close to 90000 or 100000 in kids' tuition paying. So when we, would, when we would play in front of, not to get off top of, when we play in front of college coaches, they'd be like, dude, y'all have the best paying team I've ever seen in the country. It's unreal. And we did, you know, because we won 29 games that year. But going back to where we were, so he's putting his plywood up. You know, he's doing this. And next thing you know, so we got the kids living in Greenville at the old houses for right now. And we're commuting back and forth. I'm like, all right, something's got to give. We've got, we've got to find a gym in Greenville because these kids are going to get tired of this. This is like, and I'm having to travel from from Anderson to Greenville. So we ended up using Bob Jones's facility. We can use it every morning. So we did our normal conditioning thing that I did it more. Uh, we would work it. We would work out afterwards, right afterwards, and they would, you know, thank God they let us, you know, use their facilities, and they were super nice because you know they were hoping. Some of our lower-end kids would end up going there. It was Bob Jones, everybody knows. It's a it's an all-Christian school, uh, Baptist school there in Greenville, South Carolina. Unbelievable facilities. Like, their gym is 
unreal multi-million dollar gym. So we got to use that for a little bit Well, while the dorms are getting built. So it's one day, and I, I I've never told you this, so it's one day we're practicing coming back and forth, so I meet him over at the house, he wants to meet me. So I go over there, and he's got, because like, we had a lot of international kids that yeah. were from his area that he's known from last year's team. He's got on painting. And I'm like, Mike, what are you doing? He's like, what like do you these mean? are your players? These are some of my players. These are some of the other kids that he had from last year's team that stayed that are on the post grad. Oh my goodness. And they're painting. And I'm like, Mike, this is not right. Like, you can't you can't make the kids that are paying tuition to be in this basketball academy paint and build your barn because you don't want to shut Especially, out money. You're you're like, hey, I'm gonna have this big dorm, but you're gonna build it. <laughs> like what is that? Like, not to sound like that's like slave stuff. That really is. It's like, yeah, we're going to, but you're going to build your own house. That's what my assistant said. And, Carey, like, yeah. and, and I'm not trying to make light of what slavery was, but that's essentially what this. He's having these kids do this. So I'm like, first of all, all this takes is one phone call from a parent, and they're done. So, like, I pull the kids aside. I try to smooth it over. So me and assistant, we start painting. Also, I'm like, let's just try to get this done. And how so? This I want to say this happened. How, how, how mad are these kids? Oh, super mad. I mean, they're they're ready to leave. I mean, we've got 42 kids in this academy that recruited to something that we didn't that we thought it was going to be. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, the dude showed us gyms like gyms that he didn't even like. He told us that we were going to use like really nice gyms in that area in Anderson that we never used. So we're taking kids on visits to places, and I, you know, I felt so bad at times. I'm thinking, thinking, like, yeah, we do have this. Kind of find out, I'm like, all right, Mike. So can I schedule practice next week? He's like, oh, that fell through. So just, <laughs> just decide. You think this is okay? These people already knew what you find out later. You think that's what it? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. They, they're like, nah, no, yeah. we don't want you here. Yeah, yeah. So and, and now you think back, you're like, that's why we never had a gym. Yeah. Because no one wanted that guy in their gym. Yeah. So basically, you know, I actually talked to last year's coaches, and the only thing they would tell me, they wouldn't get the specifics, which I wish they would. If they did, I would have never took the job. They were like, all right, it's just going to be a rebuilding phase. Well, me and you both know I'm like, dude, that don't scare me. The year I took no. over at Moore, we lost eight seniors of graduation. You know, we lost freaking Daquan Boy, Mikel McKay, Will Bryant. I mean, won 28 games the year before. Nobody thought we were going to be good, then we win 23 games that year. Then the year I took over Taylor County, they were like, they thought we could be good. They won 16 games the year before. They're like, oh, they're not going to be that good. We won 25 or 26 games, I think, that year. You know, so the two years that I had rebuilding phases, I'm like, that doesn't that doesn't phase me. You know, we're going to get in, we're going to put in our system and, and go to work. So when he told me that, I was like, well, that doesn't scare me, coach. You know, but he never really got into specifics. So this, know, was, about a my, this was a college coach. No, this you? was the coach from last year. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, as the year went on, though, we became real close, and I ended up texting him, and he actually opened up to me and was like, you know, man, basically, this is what happened. Mike ran us out of every situation that we were in. Like, when they beat Oak Hill, they were going to sign an Under Armour deal because they beat Oak Hill and basically get so much free gear that the kids wouldn't have to worry about nothing because at the time, they were paying for it. And come to find out, Mike went to the school and then that they were going through, and then Mike went to the practice facility that they were practicing at and basically promised them, oh, I'm getting us an Under Armour deal for the whole school, for this practice facility, everybody. So when all the Under Armour stuff starts coming in and just the basketball team is wearing it, they're like, well, where's ours at? And he kept just giving them the run around and run around, wow. run around, run around. 
So I guess that Under Armour, did that Under Armour deal just fall, fall through, through. Because, yeah. because of because that? Because of him. So basically, he was promising all this stuff to people, and basically they were just tired of his lies. So that's what all this rebuilding phase is what he eventually was talking about. So he's got these kids working. He's got them painting. He's got them moving gravel. I'm just like, man, this is... And it's time I ended up finding out, not through him, while we were looking for trailers, he was wanting to put a trailer on the property so I could be living on the property also. And this I'm, is, I mean, this is nuts. <laughs> this is nuts. We're only touching the surface, and this is already like... You were absolutely 100% right when you told Drew Diener, man, I could write a book on this stuff. Because this is already... We're 44 minutes in. You've already touched way more than you touched in the in the article yeah. or on the radio. And we haven't even gotten to probably anywhere close to the good stuff. So in my contract, it basically stated full uh, health, dental, vision for me and my whole family. So we get down there, and that's the first thing. You know how you, if you have kids, they get sick. So Absolutely. we're down there in August. We have kids who have allergies. They get sick. Constantly hitting mic up. You know, what's the insurance? What's the insurance? So my wife ends up getting taken care of. Come to find out, he lies to the insurance agency or the government or something about how much money we're getting paid. So basically, we get put on like government insurance. Wow. So basically, it's nothing that was said in our contract to the point where everything's taken care of. And that was like the first strike with my wife because at the end of the day, you know, our kids come first and, you know, it's like, dude, this is specifically stated in our contract. We get this insurance through this insurance company. And that's definitely not so then there's another a lot of money that had to come our pocket then the next one was all three of our kids would go to the private school that our you know kids our so kids Andrew, Andrew and Christian. Christian okay come to find out he kept in this run around oh they're on the waiting list they're supposed to have enrollment blah 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 so my family's down there it's like mid-August and school's going to start I'm like Mike what's going on come to find out he never talked to the dean about it so good thing that we were still able to get Cooper at the time he was yeah, kindergarten. We were getting in one of the, uh, it's called North Point, great school down there, not too far away from, it was in between kind of Anderson and Clemson, and we was able to get him in it. But it's like, it was just one thing after another, and that's when I was kind of realizing, I was like, oh gosh, it's like, this is the type of situation where I'm not even going to be able to focus on basketball stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm dealing with, you got kids painting houses, moving gravel, none of the, none of the dorms well, are coming through. What's crazy is not to jump ahead, but I talked to you about two or three weeks before the Louisville-Clemson game in 2016. Yeah. Because I was like, hey, man, I'm thinking about coming down there. And you are like, oh, yeah, I got tickets. I'm going. I was like, all right, cool. If I come down there, you know, I'll stay with my family, but we got to meet up. You're like, yeah. Nothing at that point really seemed like anything was wrong. And it's crazy because I, I'll touch on it at the end, but I talked to you again, and I was like, this is totally different than the Richard I talked to last time. Yeah, and, and we were, and at the time, I mean, that's, I think it was in, they played November? September. Or September, September yeah. yeah. So, you know, it was like a domino thing. So then. Or no, we, I'm sorry, it was October, it was the beginning of October. Yeah, so now we're in late, so now we're in late September. I still haven't got reimbursed for recruiting in July. Wow. So it keeps just giving me a runaround. So I'm emailing his accountant friend who he's in partner with, hey, you know, just make sure you got the receipts, you know, just following up like I always do. And at the time, you know, it's hard because I've got four teams to look after, especially the own, and then got my kids, and it's like trying to keep up with it, so you kind of lose track of it. And then come to find out, it was like November, I was just like, this dude's not going to give us our money back. 
and me and John, my assistant, started figuring out, and our other assistants, our post-grad coaches, who were awesome also, by the way, was like, dude, like, this dude's just, like, trying to grab as much money. So did he hire these other coaches separate from you? Yeah, so Mike Alexander, who's one of the best trainers in that area, he coaches with South Carolina Raptors. Um, I mean, dude, they don't have a shoe deal, but if you ever watch them in the AU circuit, they play hard, and Mike's one of the best trainers I've ever been around. And he was one of the post-grad coaches. Well, then, he actually, we actually had some coaches leave. Let me get to that. So, the living quarters that was in, he put in their contracts for the assistant coaches and the post-grad coaches. Because we only had one other coach, two other coaches that commuted. So, John Carey, who moved down there with me, and then Mike Alexander, who lived in Greenville. Well, we had three other coaches show up. Uh, Alex Moe, who recently uh, played Division Two ball, who's an assistant now at uh, Pfeiffer. Yeah. And then we had uh, Josh Alexander, who's really good coach also, who coached high school in the North Carolina area. And then I can't remember Thad's last name, but Thad was a, at a prep school in Florida. So he hired those three also. And he was going to split two of the post-grads up. And he thought, who are I thought? I was like, well, you got to get Mike one because Mike's a really good coach. He's a good trainer. And you, you, know, you can figure out whoever you want for the other one. So he ends up giving it to Josh Alexander, who also did a good job with the other post-grad. Well, Thad kind of floated. But when Thad got there, Thad, they were all told that they would be living in apartments in their contract. Now they're living in the middle of a barn, in the living quarters. So one room, there's <laughs> one room, there's there's like this huge bunk bed. I mean, it was like, it was a pretty cool bunk bed. If me and you were a kid or college, yeah, we'd yeah. be like, oh yeah, we're good. You yeah. know, we're, and they, and they, they made it work. So there's this huge bunk bed room, one bathroom next to that. And the living quarters went bad. Heck, they were nicer than where the players stayed. Then... There was another room in the back right, which is really nice, where one of the other coaches, and then come on later on in February, he, uh, which we'll get to, he brought in another coach from Spain because Thad ends up leaving because there's like this closet, and he tried to turn it into a room. And basically... If you all could see how small the closet <laughs> he's measuring with his arms right now. So, basically, so imagine like you taking like a twin bed and like just making the room a little bit bigger but like really tall <laughs> so basically you could get the twin bed in there and a dresser and that's where he was going to have Thad leave and then Thad was just to the point like after two weeks he was like next thing you know we get up one morning and he's not there <laughs> he just bounced he just left he was like you know what guys and we ended up keeping up with him but he was just like there's no way so you know we're going through all this at the time and I'm just like I don't know what to do and my wife's like listen Let's just make the best of it. And this is before the season. That's before the we before we even play one game. So let's just let's just try to get everything right. You know, get get these kids qualified. You coach them up like we know how you can coach them up. Help out with the other teams when you can, and do what we can. So now we've got we've got our transportation. Let me get to that. So we had one 16 passenger van. Okay. Then we had two minivans. They had 22 feet on the side, and we used this to trans, transport kids. Well, 42 kids, I mean, you both know. Yeah. We need more than that. I mean, would you think back to the tournament we went to with more? We had three minivans for our one high school team. Exactly. So, yeah. It, you know, so he ends up finding a van. And you ever seen Little Miss Sunshine? Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So he pulls up in this 1985 this Little Miss Sunshine. It was white. Dodge van. Oh, and my. I'm like, this is this is the type of thing, stuff you pick up kids with with bike parts. Yes. <laughs> like, what do you do? So 
I'm like, are we using, are we, so what's this for? He's like, we're going to use it for our other transportation. I'm like, okay, did you go get it maintenance and checked out? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get it maintenance checked out. When I say it was like a rolling train that was not going to stop when you drove it. So here's the kicker. It shag carpet in and everything. Dude. The so TVs. let me just say. <laughs> so in prep school, it, you don't scrimmage like normal high school. So like basically this is one benefit from playing prep. So like, for instance, our very first game, we took all four teams and we played at Lake Point, which is in uh, north of Atlanta. Well, if you've ever not been to Lake Point, Google it. It is a $25 million facility that's got 17, I think it's got, no, I'm sorry, it's got 12 full college floors underneath one roof. And basically, uh, the wow. old manager for the Braves, uh, it's Bobby Cox. Bobby yeah. Cox, yeah. You wouldn't believe the baseball fields. I mean, it's like a multi-million dollar. So it's like an IMG almost. So basically, but no school. It's just, yeah. yeah. So basically, they have this big jamboree every year where they invite post-grads, prep schools, and junior colleges. Well, it's time we can play against junior colleges because we don't have no rules. In NAIA schools. So we're playing. It's uh, Corey Black's putting it on. It's one of the best jamborees. Like, there's a ton of college coaches there. So our first game, we play at like, I want to say 8.30 or nine so we get both vans full we get little miss sunshine van full we get our 16 pantry van full and we're driving to atlanta atlanta was probably 120 miles from yeah. us so but it was north atlanta so you know how atlanta traffic can be so i'm thinking all right we got to leave at seven so you know i tell your first game was at what time now nine okay so i told her i'm sorry nine thirty. so i told her i told miss brenda that um at the time, who was the cook? Hey, we need to have lunch ready. So we get up, I get over, come to find out, um, she gave them, she fixed them turkey sandwiches for breakfast. So I'm like, okay, so you're wanting us to sit in the van, drive an hour and a half, go play three games on a turkey sandwich and an orange and an apple? That's when I knew it was bad. Yeah. That's when I knew it started getting bad. Let me go. Well, I didn't even tell you this. Let me go backwards real quick. So the two minivans that we had at 22 feet on, in my contract, it stated that one of those were supposed to be mine to drive around whenever I wanted. Okay. Yeah. So when I first moved down there, I used to drive it around wherever I wanted. So he told us to trade in both our cars and get one because he's like, one of the vans is yours. I'm like, cool. That's awesome. It says in my contract. So me and my wife would trade in her car. We get one SUV because we got three boys. Yeah. Get down there, driving the car around, and all the kids get in. Car's not mine. So now it's being used to transport kids all day, and I'm down to one car. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I forgot to put that in the beginning. Yeah. So so one of those minivans was supposed to be mine to drive around, and it specifically says in my contract. So we're going to Atlanta. I'm already pissed, and it's one of those situations where it's like, this is just going to be a terrible day. I was like, our kids are not eating right. They're all hungry. I'm driving in this loaded train. In a, yeah. <laughs> here's the thing. We're on the highway, and I'm like, I'm like, all right, speedy, and I'm not trying to go underneath it, but at the same time, I'm going 70, and I'm like, dude, if this dude hits on his brakes, I don't know what's going to happen. And I got them all in the box, and I'm driving the little Miss Sunshine van, because I'm a good driver. I'm like, listen, I'll take it, because I've drove some bad vehicles before long distance. I can handle it. And, dude, when I say when you turn with that thing... It was like those old driving games when you're trying to drive on a and PS3. It's jerks. jerks. <laughs> so, dude, and like any time we would hit a dip, it was like we would float. It would be like, boom, and then we would just float for a second. <laughs> Looking like the Dumb and Dumber van. Yes. <laughs> so, we get there, and you know, some of these colleges are getting out nice vans and buses, and here we come, and 
Little Miss Sunshine Band. You know, we've got all these Division One recruits, and it's just it's hilarious because we're getting out, and we got like Mamadou Deer, who's at Cincinnati, six ten. I had a seven four kid get out. You know, we got all these good players, and it it it's. I mean, that's what I try to tell people. They have no idea what went on. So we go there. Uh, every team got better that day. We we I know our team won all three games. I mean, there's probably a hundred college coaches from every level there. Um, that was just one of the instances, like, for instance, like with the food stuff, you know, turkey sandwiches for breakfast. Heck, me and you wouldn't want to eat turkey sandwich for no. breakfast. I mean, and that was just the start of it. And what come to find out was he was, like, trying to collect money and not spend as much money as possible, even though he had it. And what we couldn't figure out the whole time was when we added up all the tuition, um, I want to say it was close to three hundred, four hundred thousand is what he had coming in. Well, after we played in it, that JUCO jam in early October, we started seeing kids leaving. And basically they pulled me aside just like any of our other kids was like, Coach, you know, I can't do this. This is not what I was like, dude, I'm going through the same thing because we were open about it with them too. It was like, listen, I'm going through it too. He's late paying me every month. Thanks you know, October, like my pay wasn't the same it was in September. So I'm like, Mike, this is not what we agreed upon. He's like, Oh, we had to take some extra taxes out. Like I would be like, Oh, okay, that's fine. I'm like, No. Like, this is what it says in my contract. So I'll go back. He would give me whatever extra amount it was and still be short. So, you know, it's it was, it was man, it, at that time, I think it was out in November, I was like, man, this is, this is bad. This is, this is not good. So this is before we still even played Yeah, you game. still haven't even played a real yeah. game. You just played in that jamboree. And our first game was October, I'll say it was a day or two before Halloween. So this is how funny it is. We play our first game, right? We're playing Orangeburg Prep, okay? Orangeburg is in, if you don't know, is in Columbia, South Carolina. Well, I Google them, and you know how I am. I'm like, man, I can't find, I can't find anything about this team. I'm trying to find film. I can't find nothing. You know, there's nothing on there. So, they show up, and I'm not lying to you, Brandon. It looked like some of these dudes were 23, <laughs> 22, grown men. I'm talking about huge. And here's the thing. They're playing two games. They're playing our developmental team first. I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, they're going to kill them, right? And then they're going to play us. I mean, these are grown men. They're, like, dunking in warm-ups. And I'm like, these dudes look like. It just it reminds me of bench warmers. Yeah. That's like yeah, I am twelve. Yes. Like that's, that's just like where my so, mind keeps so going. So I've got blue t shirts on with white numbers on the back. Dude, we I can't remember what coaches there at the time, but we've got division one coaches in the crowd. It was our first game, so we had kids from the school. I mean it was packed. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like what's gonna happen? Is this dude gonna pluck cheeseburger on the bench and eat it during it? So get the game. So our developmental team ends up beating them. And we come to find out, the guy was like, no, we're playing both games. We don't have two teams. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? So the team that just beat them, we would beat by like 40. We score 155 points. Oh, my One God. of our kids scored, I think it was Max Holstra, who ended up signing with American. I don't want to say he had 50. I can't remember what he had, but the Twitter blew up that night. He had like 55. He caught fire. He hit like 14 threes. He was a great shooter. Like Clay Thompson, I and uh, if you, I mean, if his heels kick, kick, uh, click the ground. I mean, it was good. So basically, I was just like, oh my gosh, if this is what it's going to be like all year, because we were a part of the grind session, which you probably heard of, which is a prep yeah. school uh, league, which is a really good league. But I was just like, man, is this what every one of our games going to be like? We're going to show up and we're going to be playing 
you know, whoever from wherever. So, who else is a part of a grind session? Just well, some notable schools. Aspire, who's here okay. in Louisville. Uh, Victory Rock Prep, who won it last year, is in Florida. Uh, Hillcrest Prep is where DeAndre Ayton went. Um, Prolific Prep, which is probably what you heard of, where it's Gary Trent Jr. was, Josh Jackson. Yeah. Very good program out in California. Um, it's actually grown since we've been in it. I want to say he's got 20 to 25 high school teams in it now, and now he's got like 15 to 20 post-grad teams in it. And the thing about the grind session was awesome was is he took care of us. We just had to get there. So anytime we played the grind session, I love Dan to this day, is because – I mean, we would show up, he would have our hotel taken care of, and then at least one or two meals a day. Where Because if we weren't playing in a certain grind session event, we didn't know what we were getting. I mean, heck, we don't know if our kids would either a cookout or Wendy's 4 for 4. They... <laughs> so, I mean, it was either it was either Wendy's 4 for 4, cookout, or Denny. It was like he took care of us, I and mean, he took care of every team, which was like crazy. So... We play that first game, and then next thing you know, we're playing in the Phenom. Uh, we're playing the Phenom Classic in uh, Greensboro. Jamie Shaw puts on an event. It's a great event every year. He has Oak Hill playing it every year. Like I mean, there's some big time teams, so we're playing in it. And this is our first big game, so you know me. We're playing York Prep, and I've got our scouting report down to a T. They've got DJ Burns, who just signed with Tennessee. He was one of the best players in the country. Um, scout report was, you know, to push him to his. Uh, pushing to his RH over his left shoulder. So our, our owner comes in the room and he's questioning my scout report to oh, my coaches. Oh, no. So I'm like, so I'm over like right on the board like I normally do. Yeah. And I can hear him behind me. And then finally he gets in the room. I'm like, I look at John. I'm like, what is he, what is he talking about? Can he not just leave us alone? And he's like, he was asking what your, uh, your RH over your left shoulder meant. And I'm like, he, he better be quiet because it is not like, because I mean, I've had, because we were able to find film on York and, you know, we had great scout report. We come in, we're up like 17 and a half, we're kicking their butt. And, but I mean, it was every game he was in my locker room, like looking over a scout report, like he knew. And I've never seen him pick up a ball. I've never seen him work out a kid, but he would be like the first to question us on anything that we did. So I'm like, I ignore it. We play the game. We end up winning by like, I want to say 18, 19 points. We had a bunch of college coaches there. Um, a couple kids got some offers after the game, which was awesome. Played the next day. We played uh, Charlotte Christian, where Steph Curry went to school. We ended up winning that game. So, first big games out of the books. We're on our way. Well, actually, on our way to that game, we caught a flat tire. This is on the way to, to, to Charlotte Christian? Yeah, no, to Greensboro. Oh, Play okay. So... Catch, catch fly tire. So I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, and we can I get, is it the Little Miss Sunshine van? No, this is minivan. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> so we get so, to take the minivans. Yeah, we yeah. were able to fit in the minivan. Okay. So we took we took both minivans and there's not a spare. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. So we're trying to call him and he's gonna try to give us a credit card to like get the van fixed. So luckily, the gas station where we pulled over with, there was a tire station right across the street. So thank the Lord. So we, we push it over there. Wait, you had to push it across the street? Yeah. So, <laughs> me and the kids get out. This is for a big game. We're pushing it across. And basically, we get over there, and he sends his credit card number. gets declined. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I was like, guys, I'm just going to go ahead and warn you. We're either going to have to forfeit or they're going to have to play the game with six kids. And I said, I'm not going to get the coach. Luckily, he, luckily, another parent was coming. 
So we left the van, they got it fixed. We hopped in the car with the parent, got there. He drove the van. I mean, dude, this is like just. This is, oh my goodness, man. This is, this is already <laughs> nuts, dude. So that was our first big game. So the next big game we have is was the Bahamas. And the grind session put on an event there because that's where DeAndre Aiden is. So basically Dan had a bunch of sponsorships where he flew six of the grind session teams in and took care of our flights and our hotel. And everybody was there. It was us, Hillcrest Prep, which DeAndre Aiden, Victory Rock Prep, uh, Thon Makers, uh, Little Brothers School. I'm trying to remember what the name of that was. They were there. Um, Conrad School, which is where D. Sloan was at. I'll get into that here in a little bit. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that he actually ended up back with me towards the end of the year because his prep school closed mid-year and prolific prep. So we're playing DeAndre Ayton. And we get there, and I'm all. And the only thing I'm worried about this time is like food for the kids, because we've already went through it in a month. I'm just like, what's going to happen? Because the Bahamas is not cheap, and we're staying right next to Atlanta, so which is awesome. So these yeah. kids are, and Mike's trying to put it at that like he came up with this, and I'm like, guys, no. I said this is all Dan, so y'all got to make sure you take you say thank you to Dan at the end of the day. So got our scout report, trying to find figure out places to eat. Well. If anybody don't know this, Atlantis is on the island. So when you go off and on the island, you get charged every single time. Well, Mike was trying to get out of pain to get on the island and get off the island and trying to make the cab driver like take care of everything. So basically, he found this Chinese spot off the island that was cheap to go feed him. So it's already sketchy. Like I pull up, it's a Chinese restaurant with a fish tank in front of it. So wow. I'm just like oh my gosh, our kids are going to like be either vomiting or have to go to the bathroom during the game. So we ended up getting a bunch of chicken, rice, and everything to feed them because breakfast, we that was taken care of through at the hotel. So we feed them that. We get to the game. We're up 11 at halftime. We held DeAndre to like six or seven points. So wait, you all played DeAndre? Uh-huh. Six, seven points. We're doing a great job. Mama Do had a – here's the thing. We wanted to get one call. Foul count was like – because they wanted him to win. It was yeah. in his hometown. Foul count was like something crazy, like 18 to 3 in the first half. We're still up 11. We were up 17 at one point. And Hillcrest had five Division One kids on a team that end up going like high major. So we're up 11. We go in. So basically, we and it was so weird, like Brandon, like they had a DJ playing music during the game. So like I'm over trying to call out what play they're running, and our kids can't hear us because they got freaking like Jamaican drums going off in the sideline. So it's like a, a pro game. Yeah. So I'm like, guys, this is not a pro game. Like, y'all can't be doing that. Like, and we got FIBA referees, so they don't know high school rules. So we're up 11 and a half, and basically Mama Dude ends up having a meltdown. He learned from it. But he's guarding DeAndre, and he's doing, like, a great job. And this is when we knew Mama Dude could be a pro one day, because, I mean, DeAndre, obviously, we knew at the time, was like, man, this dude is going to be Oh, he's going to yeah. be the number one player. I mean, the number one pick in a couple of years. So... Games back and forth, back and forth. Well, Mamadou's shoe comes untied during the game. And we're up, I think, 10 at, at one point. And basically, we're up 10. Well, anytime in a high school game, shoe comes untied, you stop the game immediately. Like, there's no play on like in college or pro. Yeah. Well, in FIBA's mind, it's play on. So they come down. Mamadou, like, tries to, like, hook the kid, which he didn't do it intentionally. He did it legitimately call intentional. So, Mama Dude starts going crazy. He's like, I was trying to try my shoe, try to stop play. He's like over, you know, speaking French and yelling at the guy. (laughs) Next thing you know, boom, another tee. 
Oh, You're out of here. No. So they get two shots. I'm sorry, they get four shots and the ball. So our lead goes from goes from ten to eight like that. Next thing you know, they get an am one, make a free throw. Now it's down to five. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> now you see where this is going. Yeah, and now you don't have the guy that's been guarding eight, and he's so, gone. So now, now we can't even blow on him. They're calling a foul, and I mean, I think the foul count after we added it all up, it was like. 40-something to, like, 18. I mean, they were in a double bonus immediately. So, there's two minutes to play. We're up three. Come down. DeAndre gets a deep, which we said in Sky Report, can't let him catch a deep. Push him, you know, push him to his left hand. Catches a deep. We don't even touch him. The call foul in one, so it's tied. We come down, miss a three. They come down, make a bucket, and then we had a three to win at the buzzer. Went in and out. We didn't get beat by, like, yeah, two points. So... That was just like the start of it. And then, so after that, of course, all the kids are down. And then Mike comes in there and gives his like pregame, or his postgame speech. And it's like, dude, listen. Like, not only was these kids already down and they perfected the scout report to a T, but like, they, like, you just like kicked them when they were down. Like, just yeah. leave it where it is. Let's try to get better from where we're at. We just played one of the best teams in the country and one of the best players in the country. And had them beat. Yeah, and had them beat. So... You know, it's one of those situations where it's like, let it be. You know, we're going to learn from this. Because you know how it is. You've been yeah. coaching me. Yeah. You know, you're going to learn from a loss. So he gives this thing. They they fade the kids like something like pizzas. Well, I mean, they're still hungry. So we get back. And I'm like, nobody can find Mike. We're like, we got to feed the kids. They're hungry. Well, nobody can find him. Go to the casino. He's in the casino at Atlantis playing blackjack. I'm like, oh, well, now we see where a lot of our money's going. I'm like, are you not gonna feed the kids? He's like, oh no, it's in it's in the parent book that like after games they need to come up with their own food. I'm just like, this is a tournament and it isn't a thing where your parents are gonna be there. Yeah. So once again, you know, me and assistant coaches go and get some of the kids some food. There's a good thing it was a local grocery store. We're spending money more money than what you know what we were already supposed to. So we end up having a great time and uh, we played the next day. We flew back. Well, the thing was. When we flew in, he got pulled. Our owner did. And every time we flew in the grind session, he would get pulled and like be in there for like 30 or 40 minutes. We kept on thinking, I was like, man, that is odd. Like, you know, he's flying, he's getting pulled. Like, something just don't seem right. So we fly back, he gets pulled again. And we'll get so, to that later. So after he got pulled on the way down there, he got pulled, pulled again, again on the way back. Yeah, right? way back. So now we're like, man, is this dude like. Uh, like not who he says he is like you know it's one of the situations where it's like maybe is his name really Mike Rawson or is it name, his name Bob or something you know <laughs> it's, it's like it's like because not only we're figuring out he's lying about everything he hasn't come through on anything in my contract or any of the other coaches contracts he's trying to like get his way around on everything to pay for so it's like we're thinking like what's going on so we play in the Bahamas we come back we got a break where we're playing some home games for a little bit and basically, um, they say, no, well, our office was set up in the house. And basically, like, it was like their old dining room with the fireplace. So that's where our office was. We had, like, he went and got these desks from Ikea and then set them up like it was just a nice office. And I was like, and I was told the whole time, like, we were going to have a separate office from, from, the, from the property. Never had it. So we're in his office one day in November, and I've got my computer. Well, the thing was weird was we had these emails set up through him for a private server 
in Europe. Well, come to find out, like it was like Richard at 22feet.com. Everybody had John, John had his, John at 22feet.com. Well, we're sitting there one day and we're sending emails and like we're getting emails. As soon as we're getting emails, his computer's dinging. So we're like, and I look at John, I'm like, dude, send me an email. Like send me two or three, just say hey or something. And he sends me like two or three emails and his computer goes ding, ding, ding. Oh, wow. So he had our, we don't know for sure, but at the time we were like, we were so sold on like, he had our email set up to his computer. Because it was so weird because I had a MacBook at the time and like the only time I used the 22 feet email was like, I didn't use it for none of my personal stuff. And basically just was like scheduling games, anything with coaches, college coaches. Well, I mean, thank God now that you didn't use it. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. So... I go to our coaches finally and I have a meeting I'm like guys listen I don't know if this is for sure but I was like just listen me, me and John were in the room and we both were getting emails and Mike's computer was going off as our computer was getting emails so whatever you have on the 22 feet email do not put any of your personal stuff on there and they were like are you freaking kidding me I was like no I was like we'll do it again you know when we get in there one day when he's not in there so like it's like alright what is this dude doing like is he trying to like get as much money possible? Is he a spy? Like, <laughs> yeah, like what, what, what's, what's exactly from this? Yeah. So I'm like, what would you know? What would benefit him to like see our emails? Like, we're gonna put something on there. So like, that was another weird thing that kind of happened. You know, it was like, it was just like one thing after another. So first month, you know, we played. We've won some big games. Lost a couple good ones. The food's getting worse. Like she's feeding them, you know, up and down, different stuff, different stuff. Well, and December comes around, and we have a parent come visit from the Netherlands. Well, this kid's paying like 30000 to go there. Wow. And he was not very good at all. Well, come to find out later on, Mike like, basically conned his mom into investing in his company, 22 Feet Company. Let me go back a little bit. When we visited in August, I'm sorry, in July, he had a thing where he wanted to start a soccer academy. He had a football academy. He was going to call a 100 yards academy. He even had, he was going to do girls basketball. Dude, he had signs and dude, I mean, he had everything up in these plans. Like, dude, I mean, he totally duped me. I mean, dude, he had it all. Like, I'm talking about, it was legitimate. Like, I mean, this stuff looked like he went and spent money on it to make it look legit. So, this mom comes in, comes to visit to see everything because the kid is complaining about living conditions because yeah, there's because the barn's not only closed off there's like a hole so there's squirrels getting in there and I mean you're in South Carolina it's probably cold yeah. <laughs> it's probably cold at this point so you know there's all the parents are are complaining so she comes in and it was so funny because like they totally flipped how they were treating kids they went from being like total buttholes to like instead of turkey sandwiches what do you think they had for breakfast that morning? She was fixing pancakes, oh, eggs. I'm like, I go in there and look at John, and I'm like, dude, this chick, I mean, they're golden. Like, we've already figured them out because, you know, I still haven't got paid for my expenses. You know, we're on government insurance. And I'm like, like, dude, like, something like, dude, they're, they're con men. Both of them are at the end of the yeah. day, you know. And here was the thing I didn't bring up the end. His wife was always gun shopping. Like, dude, when I say this chick shopped, she shopped every other day. Like, I've never seen anything like it. And she would come home, and I'm like, she's either buying her stuff, buying Mike's stuff, or buying their kid's stuff. 
come and I didn't play on my hurt the whole year, so he didn't play. And both his kids were like super good kids. I mean, great kids. Not even nothing like them. Well, she was always gone shopping, and we'd be like, dude, like, what is she doing? I mean, me and you both know, like, even if you shop a holiday, you can only shop so much. You know, yeah, it's like there's not that much stuff out there to buy. Is she waiting for like the next thing to be delivered off the truck? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is I it? mean, if you put as much effort into your turkey sandwiches as you did your shopping, you know, we'd be in business. You know, yeah. but <laughs> it was it, it was it was just so odd. So it's at that time I'm kind of realizing we messed up. We've had like nine kids leave the academy. We've got new kids showing up that's leaving other prep schools that Mike's conning in to come in. And I'm like, none's coming to my team. Like, I'm like, listen, my team's done. They're set stone. Well, by the end of December, our number went from 42 to 28. So we had right at three teams. So, and I thought when Christmas came around, because half, most of our kids went home for Christmas, we gave them like a week and a half break. So we played in Orlando the day, two days before Christmas in the grind session. And we kind of figured it's like, man, I wouldn't be surprised if half these kids don't come back, and I don't blame them. And we've talked, you know, we've tried to like talk to them, not go over there. And the thing that was sad more than anything, Brandon, was is the international kids who we had nothing to do with getting there that he did. Mike promised them going to the Bahamas. You know, they had passports ready, you know, their passports ready to go here and there. And they didn't plan any of the events we did. And they were paying all this money, you know, to come. And they had these dreams. And here's the thing, though. That's what, like, that's what it kills me even worse because it's already bad enough because, you know, at, at that, this is when it's really kicked in for me when you're just saying this. Like, he did this to you and your family. He's doing this to kids. Yeah. And, like, that's, that's sad. And it was hard to work in because I think he thought that I was going to just be done with that December, you know. And... I was like, no, because there's certain kids that I recruited from my team there that I wasn't going to give up on at the end of the day, you know. And that's what I kept telling our post-track coaches. I said, listen, let's just try to coach these guys up, get them in some events, get them in front of coaches. And I said, let's make sure they're qualified. Not to mention, we had a lot of kids on online classes. Well, every month we dealt with him not paying the classes on time, and he put it off. So, you know, Mamadou, for instance, he was on online classes, and he was, at the time, he was committed to Washington. Well... You know, they were constantly on me, is he going to qualify, is he going to qualify? I'm like, look, guys, I don't pay the bills. Like, I'm sitting with him. I said, John's sitting with him. I said, Alex is sitting with him. We're, we're working with him. But I said, we have no, I, like, we have no say or paying the bills. So there was times where it got to the point where I just told the college coach to call Mike. And then that's, you know, what that then it got paid because that was one thing Mike didn't want is he didn't want the reputation to get worse than what it was to college coaches because then – if college coaches know that you're full of it, kids ain't gonna go to the school. They're not. They're gonna butcher you. They're gonna butcher you to anybody that thinks about going to that school. So, you know that was that was something that we dealt with every day. As far as that, you know, um, we had a, we had a seven four kid from Turkey, Moomin Tunk, who's in the Deadspin article, which is what I sent you. The kid who almost got deported. Well, he was on online classes. Well, I twenties and everything was new to me. We had a ton of kids there on I-20s, which is a student visa, F1. Well, when a kid, international kid, comes over here to play sports or to study, that's what they come in on. Well, if you're already in the States and say you transfer schools, all it is is a transfer paperwork. There's no money involved. doesn't cost anything. Well, in Moomin's case, the kid who in the Deadspin article, in November when we flew, Moomin got pulled 
too. And we end up later finding out because that was the time Mike didn't transfer his I-20 like he was supposed to. Here was the kicker. Kids that were there on I-20s, Anderson Christian didn't charge a dime for them. Now, some schools do, which is understandable because it is a process. I mean, it's a long paperwork. He was charging kids anywhere from $1,500 to $3,000 for those I-20s, the international kids, on top of their tuition. Plus their $1,500 registration fee. That's that's so much money. But he acted like he didn't have any. So me and our assistant coaches were coming to find out. We were either one, he was trying to scrap his, he was trying to just collect as much as he could, or two, he owed somebody some money from the past, and he was like trying to pay up, like yeah. big time. So, well, come you know, come to find out, you know, later on, he had he was a sports agent in Europe, and he represented players. Well. I mean, you both know you can't be an agent and be involved with high school kids. And that is like a total no-no at the end of the day. And basically, you know, I, from there I was like, man, it's like, it was like a blessing in disguise that we didn't find it out till later after the season. Yeah. Because it was like, man, because if, if the NCAA or anybody would have found that out at the time, I mean, my career would have been compromised. Any of those kids would have been compromised. You know, because, I mean, we had no idea he was – Yeah. You know, he was an agent over in Europe before he came over here. You know, now, he didn't try to represent players when he came over, but from what I was told from people from overseas and, like, players' parents who I still keep up with, that he was trying to come over here and find the next big thing, but what he didn't realize is you've got to treat kids the right way, and he didn't do that, you know, so. So, let's let's go back to the the timeline here. So, you you play the game, uh, you play the games just before Christmas, your kids go to Christmas, and you're like, I, I don't know how many I'm gonna get back. Yeah. How many of them did you lose? Well, uh, I want to say when when they came back from Christmas, we had what I say. Was you had 28 had, before that. Yeah, I want to say we ended up having 24. So you didn't lose as many as you thought. Yeah. So they come back, and at this point, I mean, like you said, you had already talked to all the other coaches, and you're like, let's just coach these kids up. We owe these kids. Let's get these kids coached up, and then we'll figure out what we're going to do after this. Because, I mean, I'm figuring at this point, none of you are thinking in your mind, I'm coming back here. Oh, no. All of us were, at at that time in December, we all knew that, you know, we definitely weren't coming back. And and the word was kind of out that, like, how he treated the kids, how he treated us. You know, I mean, like, when we go, we would go to games, and... Me and you both know, if you eat so much processed food and then you go try to run down a 94-foot floor, those two don't mix at the end no. of the day. So, like, anytime we traveled, it was either Denny's, it was cookout, which is what I, I do like cookout. It's pretty good, but it's cheap. <laughs> yeah. And then also Wendy's 4 for 4 It was never, like, Subway. It was never Cracker Barrel. Now, every now and then, some of these tournaments we got invited to, because we did have a good team, we would have a host family take us out, for instance, and our kids were like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. We never get to do this. And the host parents are like, what? Or the host family's like, what? Like, what's going on? Like, what are you? And we kind of pull them aside. It's like, they just feed them quesadillas and tur- turkey sandwiches all the time. <laughs> but, oh, man. So we get all our kids back. And we came home for Christmas. So seven and a half hours. Came back. Well, I got paid at the end of every month. My direct deposit didn't go in the 28th. So, like, I'm freaking out. I'm like, so I'm calling Mike. He's not answering. He's not answering because I'm on the road coming back. And I'm like, what in the world's going on? Wife's freaking out. So, we finally get back and we're like, dude, like, what is going on? Like, you know, so he gives me this whole runaround. You need to call the accountant, Lisa. You need to call her. So, I call her. No response. 
so I've got bills that are going to come out, like car payment, uh, the rest of the rent that you know we're paying. Um, I mean, and we just did Christmas, so obviously you know, I mean, that was yeah. a big burden. I mean, not a burden, but I mean, it was a, it's a big drain. Yeah, also. yeah, yeah. So and so now, like, I'm in super freak out mode, and he's like, "Well, we thought you were going to leave and and not come back." I'm like, "I would have told you two weeks prior that I'm not going to." So. We ended up meeting with him and his wife, and I had to threaten him to take him to court. It was like, if I don't get my money or a check written to me today, I'm I'm going to the courthouse to file a complaint. And he's trying to act all big and bad. Oh, you don't? I'm like, no, Mike. You seriously don't want to do this because you've got a barn in the backyard with kids in it. That's not up to code. That if it caught on fire, there's no fire extinguishers. Yeah. There's there's plywood doors for the bathroom doors. You've got. Six. You got you got six foot showers for seven footers. That's having to. By the way. Down. By the way. As long as you're saying that, I want to post these pictures. Oh, yeah. Then yeah. I'll, I'll post the pictures with this episode so that you all can actually see what we're talking about. Yeah. Because this stuff is, he can say it all day, but until you see it, because he showed it to me, and I was just like, what, what is that? And then, so, you got you got a six-foot shower for seven-footers and plywood doors. Oh, I didn't even get to, we ended up, we had a deaf kid to play for me. I don't know if I remember telling you no, that. No, you know. Well, well, basically, we had a kid named Taj Fraley. Okay, I watched him play in July. He played for Stackhouse Elite, which is a big-time Adidas program in Atlanta. Well, I'm actually there to watch another kid, and we're watching the Adidas Finals, and Taj is, like, balling. And I'm sitting there next to college coaches and scouts, and I'm like, man, this kid is unreal. He's getting deflections. He's long. He's 6'3", you know, getting steals, getting in passing lanes, just making plays. Just, you know, my type of guy. Yeah. Well, Taylor Hicks from Next Up Recruits, you know, my buddy, yeah. he's there with me. He sits down next to me. He's like, who you like? I was like, I like it, number one right there. He's like, oh, you like Taj? I'm like, yeah, you know him? He's like, yeah, he's, he's legally deaf. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, he's legally deaf. I'm like, there's no way. And come find out when he turned one way, he, ha- he didn't have his sensors in because he sweat so bad, but he can read lips. So I'm like, Taylor, I don't know who he plays for, but I will take him in a heartbeat. Like, well, I want to learn more about the situation. Come find out, like, I learned more about the situation, talked to his mom. Dude, his parents were some of the best parents I've ever dealt with, especially with what we went through. Well, we had Taj come down visit, one of the best kids I've ever coached, one of the most hardworking kids I've ever coached. He was a pain in my butt sometimes, but, like, I learned sign language with all of our calls. But, like, I'll tell you how good he was at reading lips. I would be on one, one end of the floor talking to college coaches, and we would have, we'd be on the other, and he could read my lips on what, what I was saying. It was unreal. Like, like he would bring it up to you. So like, yeah. So like, I'll text him today. Like, if something happens in a game or a play or something, I'm like, "Hey man, what was uh like the Rondo and Chris Paul yeah. thing? <laughs> hey man, what what were they saying? Because he can read lips like that." But and he he's now at West Georgia, which is a D two school. But he had a ton of Division one interests. And man, he just we can never get nobody to pull the trigger. Like Winthrop really liked him. Radford liked him at the time. And it's all the deaf thing. Yeah, and it was all the deaf thing. Yeah, and. And it was the thing, I was like, guys, like, we don't, that's not a, you know, we don't have a problem with that. Like, I learned this, I learned all of our calls in sign language, but he can read my lips, you know. He knows all of our defensive calls because it's all hand signals as it is besides our press when we have colors, you know. Um, but, I mean, he's usually at the front of it, so he knows. He can kind of look back see what we're in. And, uh, actually, I'll give you this article to post on there. Uh, Jason from, uh, Jason Day from USA Today did a, an article on him. Because when we played in that Phenom event in Greensboro, he played out of his mind. And when we told Jason that he was legally deaf, he interviewed me and him. And he's like, man, this is awesome. 
And, you know, it was I was so happy for Taj because Taj is a phenomenal basketball player. And for somebody to have, um, you know, that disability and not worry about it, it's like, all right, how bad is your day going? Because, you know, he's deaf at the end of the day. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, and we use that in our players kind of – and, you know, the thing was he was a great teammate and a lot of our players loved him. You know, but, like, for instance, like, the thing that happened today, like, our owner would mistreat him, like, be mean to him on purpose because he was deaf. It was like, dude, like, there's no sense of being – and we had many instances, like, that guy, the way he talked to that player today, Mike, our owner, would talk to our players like that. Wow, wow. I mean, and, and like I said, I'm going to I'm gonna retweet that for all you all that are on Twitter because it's, like, it's terrible, yeah. the stuff that that guy was saying, and then – to think that this guy would talk this I mean he obviously wouldn't do that when you were around. Oh no, he knew better, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but no, like he like he did that multiple times, you know, like especially like Mama Do, like when I went around and basically, you know, it would either get parents or handlers. I mean that's who you dealt with most of the time when you were yeah. at prep school, you know, I mean international kids, I hate I hate the word, but I mean it's sad to say most of them that do come over here have people who you know that take advantage of them and that's you you have to deal with they don't have the kids best interest at the end of the day but yeah man i mean i dealt with that on a weekly basis i'm trying to talk bad to kids and you know it was one of those things where we just didn't you know it didn't get out because we kind of like you know put the fire out but it was one of those things like it's like dude you don't talk to these kids like that we love these kids like they're our own you know like at the end of the day they're busting our butt for us you know on the floor in the classroom like that's enough and they're paying you to come here yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying so it was just uh man it was it was tough so but so you so you move on from there you lose you say you have about 24 i mean how, how many other like really big games do you all have in that season because I, I i feel like then you say you all went to a tournament up in new york yeah so in jan let's see in january we we drove everywhere so for instance um in january we played in uh kentucky twice and then played in Memphis. Oh, yeah, we played in Memphis. We're playing um, Sunrise Christian, who's one of the best, better preps in the country, a legitimate prep school. And we're up at halftime. We ended up getting beat. Well, come to find out, nobody ever locked our door at halftime, and somebody stole all of our stuff out of the locker room during halftime. So it was like my MacBook with all of my kids pictures on it like bird videos like i wasn't worried about the computer i was just like man i just got to find a way to get all that stuff back yeah because that's that's stuff you can't replace no and they stole phones um they just they like went in and out well here's the thing it's hilarious mike was trying to lie to the police and tell them they stole like twenty five thousand dollars worth of stuff so he could claim it on his insurance <laughs> wow so you are the one that's suffering from stuff, and he's over here he's trying, trying to, to benefit and yeah. gain on it. Yeah. Wow. So we played in that tournament. Yeah, so we, the week after that, we played in New York. So, I mean, we drove everywhere. So did you all ever, I'm guessing you all never got that stuff back? Oh, no. No, never. They ended up finding the guy, and they pressed charges. He, he ended up going to jail, but he actually ended up, he ended up selling it to, you know, somebody off the street, and they got I mean, it was iPhones. It was like three MacBooks. One of them was a brand new MacBook Air. One of our players, yeah. So I mean, it was, it was a lot of stuff. So, but yeah, just just always remember if you play in Memphis, make sure your locker room's locked. <laughs> you know, but so it's like late January. We're supposed to play in New York in this thing called the Gotham City Classic. So, 
And basically, we were told this whole time that we were flying to it. Well, come to find out, we find out 24 hours for skull, we're going to drive, or I'm sorry, not even 24 hours, it's like 32, we're going to drive. And we're going to leave like the next morning. And I'm like, all right, man, I don't know how this is going to work because it's 14 hours. And not only that, we're driving and we're playing at the time, who was The Rock out of Gainesville. I actually ended up becoming real good friends with the coach down there. Super good coach. Uh, does a really good job. Well, anyways, half of our kids are like, I'm not I'm not doing this. I'm going to see my mom about a flight because some of them do come from money. Well, half our kids get flights taken care of. And then the other half basically uh, have to ride in the van with me and other coaches. So it's it's me, my assistant coach, who's 6'6", John Carey, who's my other assistant coach, and then another assistant coach who just showed up a week before from Spain that okay. he hired, that we'll get to in a second, Fernando, who don't really speak a word of English, but he's there to coach basketball. <laughs> so he shows up a week before then. Very good basketball mind, but cannot speak hardly any English. God bless his heart. Knew the game really well. He's about 6'6". Then we have 7'4", Moomin Tunk, 6'10", Mama Do Diera, um, 6'8", Nevin Zink, uh, and then two other players in this one van with all the luggage. Oh, the rest of them are flying. My goodness. Here's the even better part. So Mike was supposed to ride in the van with us. We just, we'd rather him drive separately anytime we went anywhere. So he ended up conning one of our kids' parents because the mom was scared for the kid to fly by himself. He conned the parent into paying for his flight so he would ride with them. He's like, oh, I'll, I'll just send you a check in the mail. He never sent him a check in the mail. So he got a free flight to New York to ride with this kid because the kid's never been on the plane before. So we're on the way, and we've got a stack of Denny's gift cards. So let me give you a quick <laughs> thing about Denny's. Denny's is terrible. I don't care if it's at 3 a.m. in the morning and you're drunk. It's not Waffle House. It's not Cracker Barrel. It's not IHOP. It's terrible. It's like McDonald's of that type of food. So he's got a stack of Denny's gift cards because the year before I got the job, he inked like a two-year deal with Denny's that would give him like, it was like something crazy, like 20000 in gift cards because they did live stream all their games and, you know, whatever he conned them into doing, he conned them really good. So we've got this stack of Denny's gift cards. So, and I don't mind having to eat Denny's once maybe, but... Yeah. You'll see why I don't want to eat Denny's here in a second. Yeah. So, so let's just, did you hate Denny's before this? No. Okay. No. I, I mean, I would go there and, you know, get eggs and pancakes. So we, we were on our way, and the huge snowstorm hits New York. And basically, everybody's flight gets delayed in Baltimore. Well, we have to go through Baltimore. Oh, so goodness. we stop at a hotel parking lot at 5 a.m., to sleep in a parking lot. So, so we stop at this hotel parking lot where we were waiting until them. It's like 5 a.m. for them to get off the flight. Well, come to find out their flight didn't land to 9 a.m. And this is at what time that you're stopping? We stopped at 5 a.m. So we were we were going through Virginia into Maryland, and we were in Baltimore, and we are there at 5 a.m. Their flight didn't get there to 9 a.m. So we're in the Marriott parking lot sleeping in the van. Well, we we were waiting on them, and some of our kids go into the Marriott lobby and just try to use the bathroom. And 
it's just like it's I'm 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 trying to think to myself because I've been driving through the night. My assistant coach has been driving through the night, and I'm trying to get the scout report done. So it's like one of those situations where it's like, what in the world? Like, what are we doing? So kids get off flight, they catch the shuttle to the Marriott, and we get them in the car. And when I say we look like 15 clowns in a clown mobile, so we've had we've got 10 players, four coaches. And luggage in a 16 passenger van with all this height that you were just talking about yes and we got we got six players six seven or bigger so I don't know how we did it so I can't remember how far Maryland or Baltimore is from New York but I want to say it was a good four to five hours maybe more still in the car um, so we finally get to New York there's a huge snowstorm we were hoping Mike like got caught in like a different city because he actually didn't get laid over in that city. So him and actually Boogie, the kid that played at North Bullet last year, that's who he was he was flying with. Okay. And because Boogie played for me, and so basically they end up making it. Well, it was like thirty. I want to say it was like thirty six inches for like two hours of snow. It was something crazy. And then it was like none of our kids ever seen snow before, so that was pretty cool. So we get there, everything shut down. I've never seen so much snow move. That's my first time being in New York. I've never seen so much snow being moved in one day. So we're trying to figure out like somewhere to shoot around. But before we got there, we had to stop at Denny's. Well, getting to the Denny's gift card. Well, we eat Denny's. Some of our kids eat breakfast. By the way, just a side note. It was funny hearing Tori laugh when you mentioned Denny's. <laughs> <laughs> she's standing in the other room and heard you oh, mention Oh, it gets Denny's. better. And she starts laughing. It gets better. So we eat Denny's that morning. I want to say, we, we stopped in between Maryland and New York. So we finally get to New York. We've ate at Denny's once. We get there. So there's nowhere to shoot around. So we go outside. I have a snowball flight. Cause, I mean, we got some. We got kids from Africa, Turkey. Some of them have never seen snow. Yeah. So they're having a blast. And I like I tell our sister coaches, like, man, this is like, this is awesome. And this is the grind session taking care of us once again. This yeah. is not Mike, you know. So we get up there. We've got to go out to dinner. I can give you a guess on where you think we went. Where'd you think? Uh, I'm guessing you went to Denny's. Oh, we went to Denny's, baby, again. <laughs> so, so it was like a mile and a half, and it was the only place open, too. So you yeah. got to figure, like, there's only a couple places you're going to stay open during, That's like, the Apocalypse. It's going to be White Castles, Waffle House, Denny's, and maybe one more. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be very many places, yeah. So, so we go to Denny's that night. I'm already over Denny's. I'm like, you know, we're supposed to play the next day, and we haven't shot around. And so the next morning we get up, we eat breakfast there at the hotel. Thank God they have free breakfast. So we finally we find a gym to shoot around because we're playing the number 16 in the country. We gotta go through scout reports. So we go through a shoot around and basically we have to eat lunch. So we go back to the hotel, take a shower, say we're gonna, you know, go eat lunch at we're playing at like eight, I think, or seven thirty. Say we're gonna go eat lunch at you know, one thirty, two o'clock, be down there in the lobby. So we get down there, everybody's asking where we going, where we going. I'm like, I don't know where we're going. We're going to eat lunch. So we get piled up in our van, you know, look like the circus mobile, turn right. Next thing you know, you know, we're coming up on the Denny's. Denny's is on the right. <laughs> and I'm looking at John. John's looking at me. I'm looking at Alex, that's our other assistant coach. He's looking back at me. He flips the turning signal and all you could hear was moans like Oh, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Are you for real? 
<laughs> so we ate Diddy's three times in a row. 24 hours. So breakfast, dinner, lunch. Oh my like goodness. And here's the thing about Diddy's. It's like processed food. So it's like eating McDonald's over and over again. Yeah. So I get out of the car. Our kids are like, just like, the only person that's happy is Mama Dude because Mama Dude just ate all the time. He didn't care what it was. <laughs> so just, yeah. Mama Dude ate whatever. So I said, guys, listen, I'm, there's there's like a Wendy's and something else across the street. There's like a Shake Shack. Those are big up there. I was like, listen, if somebody want to walk across the street and go with me, you can go over with me. I'm, I said, I'm not eating this again. You know, of course, there's many instances like that where we had to come out of pocket because, for one, either he didn't feed everybody like you said he was going to feed them, and two, you know, we're having to take care of kids and get them fed also, you know. So we ate Denny's three times 24 hours, <laughs> show up for the game that night, and they had a kid named Darius Days that's going to be a freshman at LSU this year. Unbelievable shooter. Best best high school shooter I've ever seen. And, you know, we played against Luke Kennard when I was at Taylor County. I mean, we played against some good players. I mean, this kid, when I say had unlimited range, and we told him, you know, we didn't have stats on him, but we charted four games, and it was, he was shooting something crazy. He was like 46% from three. So, obviously, he was a hot closeout. And um, we're up actually three at halftime. He's he's only got like 13 or 14 because we've done a good job on him. I mean, he was averaging close to 30. And second half, I mean, we've got a hand in his face, and he's just he's not missing. He's hot. And, you know, we ended, we ended up getting beat, I want to say, by two points. Come to the locker room, and – um, and Mike says something to like one of our assistant coaches, like, "Man, we should have should guard that shooter." And he just looks at the board. And he's like, "What does that say next to Darius's name?" He's like, uh, he, you know, "It says in his accent, be there on the catch, hot pulls out, make him put it on the floor." He's like, "We were there, Mike. He was just making shots. He were be- he yeah. was better than so, us." So, I mean, sometimes you have that. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's, what, that's of- the thing with fans, and that's why I'm glad you noticed it because you've coached with me. And some fans just don't understand this. You know, like the Kentucky game against Missouri. I said, listen, guys, kids, when they go into a game that they think they're going to win, it is almost impossible. It is, it is That is the hardest thing for a coach is to get them up for that game. Now, I said, some kids will get up, some won't. They'll come out flat. They'll get punched in the mouth. And they're like, uh-oh, we got ourselves a ball game. That's the way that game went. There's plenty of games that's happened like that in basketball. But fans just don't seem to understand it because they've never been in a predicament. You yeah. know, how many times have, when we were at Moore, we had this, the scout report down to T. We knew we were going to win the game. We come out flat. They punch us in the mouth. Next thing you know, we're in a dogfight. Yeah. It happens in every sport. don't matter. So, you know, you know, we had the scout report down to T. Ended up getting beat. I was proud of them because, I mean, that, I mean dude, they've, they were like undefeated on the grind session. They were a really good team when we had them beat. And I walk out of the locker room, and our owner, Mike, looks at our assistant coach and goes, uh, man, I just don't, you know, I know we let that kid, I just don't know what happened. And John Carey looks at him and goes, I don't know, Mike, you know, maybe, you know, we were in a car for 14 and a half hours. You know, maybe it's the fact that we slept in a hotel parking lot, or maybe it's the fact that we ate Denny's three times in 24 hours. Do you think anything? Do you think? Do you think anything? had something to do with it. And he didn't, said he didn't say a word. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. So we ended up playing the next day, and we ended up – actually, yeah, we played the next day. Well, I have a friend who coached at Seton Hall and then a friend who also coached at St. John's, and they were playing at Madison Square Garden at noon. I got our whole team tickets. 
uh, Mike was actually flying back at the time to go back to home for some reason so we were glad he didn't have to go with us so we rode the subway downtown we were 15 rows behind the bench some of our kids I've never been to Madison Square Garden I haven't either that's still a dream run to go. oh and then none of our kids has even been in a college basketball game so you know it went in a big crowd but uh, you know that's a big time rivalry for St. Yeah. John Seton Hall so it was a heck of a game back and forth the whole game got to see Madison Square Garden uh, I mean it was awesome because you know, you walk in there. I've always wanted to go. You know, I watched Q play in the Big East tournament, and then you watch Louisville play yeah, in the Big East tournament, tournament before they, you know, switch in. It's like just the atmosphere. I mean, even the the stadium wasn't as packed, but the atmosphere was still there. And, you know, you look up at the Raptors, and they've got all those jerseys retired from the Knicks, the Rangers, everybody. And then, you know, it's like Muhammad Ali, Fox there. We kind of explained that to them. And they just they had a blast. And, you know, even though we lost the game yesterday, it was like, man, this is what it's all about at the end of the day. You know, some of our kids have never seen snow. They've never been to a college game. And now they're in Madison Garden. So we get out, and I'm like, hey, man, let's find, like, a, like a sliced pizza place. Yeah, Something they, you're in New York. It's what you got Yeah, do. it's like by the slice, the yeah. big old slabs. You know, I watch Barstool, so I watched yeah. the, the one. I got the one bite app. And so at the time, I didn't know about it. I wish I did. But we just go to this one corner store, and we're watching just people watching and do, like, we just got slice after slice, and it was just awesome. And those kids just had a blast, man. And it was like, it was a relief from the Denny's and being in a van, you yeah. know. So cause, because we knew we were about to get on the road, and we we're going to have to drive fourteen and a half hours back in a van, you know, and then have to eat Denny's again if we wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> so let me get to that. We did stop and eat Denny's again at least once because some of our kids didn't have enough money. It was like, dude, we're all strapped. So, but. That was man. That was that was pretty awesome. I actually had that picture posted on my Twitter recently, and um, as my background, and it was just awesome, man. Because I mean, those kids. I mean, I was in awe because I've never been to Madison Square Garden. So, but yeah, man, it was it was Denny's in twenty four hours, three times in twenty four hours before you played the like number sixteen in the country. It still had almost had them beat. It had them beat. Yeah, that's I, that that's. Uh, you you had spoken on that stuff on the Diener show and and in that article had mentioned a lot of that stuff and I still feel like there's probably a lot and we're I'm still because we still haven't even talked about David yet yeah so we you know, for uh, those of you who don't know David Sloan he was at Moore uh, went with Richard to Taylor County uh, was going to be a senior the next year when Richard took the job at Twenty Two Feet Academy uh, by the way doing fantastic now and Johnny Logan yeah. Mm-hmm. And what led the conference in assists as a as a true freshman? Yep, was uh, freshman player of the year. Also, Iowa State. I mean, Iowa State, Virginia Tech just recently offered him. So, kick and play. Well, he leaves Taylor County. There's some stuff going on there. Ends up at a prep school in Florida called the Conrad School. So, basically, he's in a school in Orlando, and it's mid. It's right after we went to New York. So next thing you know, we're actually supposed to play them. I want to say I can't remember if it was in sh- either, yeah, Charlotte or somewhere. I so, feel like it was the Bahamas or something that maybe you'd seen him. Yeah, we seen him in the Bahamas. You've seen yeah. him in the Bahamas, yeah. and that was when the communication with you all started. Yeah, because there was there we won't go into it, but there was kind of a yeah. There was a little he was a little upset, and but you felt like in that point you all kind of crushed things. Oh yeah, yeah, and basically, um, so he was at a school in Conrad. It's called Conrad. Well, this school before then, the same guy opened two or three different prep schools, and they've all either closed or somebody else taken them over. He was at ACD in Florida. He was at West Oaks also. 
So um, he's he's been this guy has been at multiple preps and open them and they close. Well, David's team was really good. It was him that Austin Wiley, who's now at Auburn. Um, they had like Lou Gentz Dort, who just he'll be a freshman at Arizona State. He was like a top fifteen player in the country at the time. Um, so I mean they were really good, but majority I would say eight of the twelve kids were international kids. Well, come to find out, the I twenties for every single one of those kids was not even issued through the Conrad School. It was issued through a school in Miami called Calusa Prep. So basically, this guy at Conrad School, and this is this is another shady story that nobody really knows about. So he had I twenty kids at a school in Orlando. And their I-20s were issued through the school in Miami. So, basically, he was paying this guy in Miami to issue I-20s because his school didn't have them. Well, to make a long story short, he owed the guy a bunch of money and didn't come through on it. said, basically, Monday, if my money's not here, I'm canceling their I-20s, and they're all going to have to come back to me if they don't get deported. So, money went there. He canceled them. All the kids moved to the Miami. So, now David's sitting there, and there's, there's, there's three kids left on the team, and their season's done. So I called Dan, who runs the ground station. I'm like, dude, what's going on with Conrad School? You know, because David's there. He's like, he tells me the whole situation. So Peanut, uh, Jonathan Cunningham, who's from Louisville, played for me. Well, him and Dave's been best friends since they were little. Uh, and Peanut was having, like, a great year for us. He got better every single game. He played for Jeffersontown High School, if anybody doesn't uh, realize the name. Um, his nickname's Peanut. But basically, uh, Peanut hit me up, too. And then next thing you know... Me and David are communicating again, um, and then me and his brother talk, and it's kind of like one of those situations. It's like, man, we realized what happened in the past. They know I've always cared and loved about David, yeah. and you know it was one of those things like, listen, we're here to help. So, once you send him to me, we'll even finish out the year with us, and we'll help him with his classes in any way possible. It'll be a win-win for both of us because at the time we had Daniel Saki and Noah Thomas. Noah Thomas is going to be a sophomore at Drake, too. So you're talking three guards that can put it on the floor that are very quick and athletic. So we end up talking. My wife ended up buying a plane ticket. We put him on a plane, flies into Asheville. We go pick him up. We get him here. He kind of explained the situation was going on down there. It was almost just as bad as ours. And I'm like, okay, well, show me your classes. He's in one class. So look at him. I said, dude, I said, David Lee Sloan. I said, you know, I was like, dude, you know better than to have one class. So at the time, basically, they were just telling him, you just need this one class and you're qualified. Of course, any 16, 17, 18 year old kid's going to be like, okay. Oh, oh, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. So I look at his transcripts. He's not even in his second foreign language. And for those who out there don't really know foreign languages going into your senior you've got to have two foreign languages going into your senior year when you graduate. You've got to have so many different cores. All these electives really don't matter. If it's not a history, uh, a science, geography, math, English, you know, those were the core classes that the NCAA looks at. Well, he was in one, and he needed, I want to say it was like four or five for him to like fully be eligible. So... I get him in the four or five to be fully eligible. He's working on them. He's doing a great job. He's moving at a, a great uh, a great speed. Plays for us. Our backcourt is so lethal. I, I want to say we maybe lost one game with him, I think, yeah, I mean, before we went to the National Championship Tournament. So, I mean, and, and Daniel, I don't know if you've ever seen Daniel play. Saki, you've seen Daniel play, the kid from Canada. I mean, it was, it was kind of like the old days of Taylor County because I did a two-point guard system and 
basically, you know, we'd move one off the ball. If he was, if, you know, if he was cooking at the time, we kind of put him in, you know, whatever situation or action we want to put him in, then vice versa. And they played extremely well off each other. And, I mean, we won a ton of games in that last part. So we end up going to the um, national championship in uh, March. And at that time is when I gave Mike my two-week or my three-week notice and said, after the national championship, I'm done. Like, I don't want nothing to do with this anymore. So then he flipped it around and tried to get out of paying me the full amount for my work. Well, we got a lawyer involved and basically was like, he can't do that. He's like, you'll be able to sue him. It'll take some money. And I said, look, I'm not trying to get in his legal worry. I just want my money that's involved. So basically, I, I put down all the receipts I was never reimbursed for. There's even something in there. If you recruit paying kids, like if you recruit a kid, he thought a full paying kid was like 16000 So if you recruited a full paying kid, you got like a bonus. Well, I had a ton of those that... And you never got anything. Never got any of that. Never got any of the reimbursements. Never got any of that. The money that he was still short on me from December, January, February was there. So we even added, we had it all listed. Like, dude, this is really how much money you owe me. So either you're going to give me my full amount of what you owe me for my work, or we're going to take this to court. And of course, it was like, okay, well, you're going to sign this non-disclosure form. Otherwise, I'm not going to do it. So a non-disclosure form is, you're not going to talk anything about this? Academy, yes. So okay. basically, to receive my final pay, which was at the end of the month, I need I had to sign this form. And, and was this a non-disclosure forever? Or no, was this, this was, a non-disclosure for a certain amount of time? For a certain amount of time, because he's recently been deported, which is what we'll get to in a little yeah. bit. So, basically... No, I mean, when you're signing this, was when he was saying this, was this a non-disclosure? Had he not gotten deported, this was a non-disclosure Oh, yeah, I can say it forever. Yeah, I can say nothing. Oh, wow. But here's the thing. At the time, I mean, I've got kids in, I got kids in daycare. I've got a car payment coming out. I've got rent. And I'm already... I've already burned through some of my retirement because we've come in a pocket. We used to... I didn't say this earlier, but we used to always feed the kids. We would have the kids over at least once a week. So, like, Thanksgiving, I had basically almost half the academy over. We ate turkey dinner, and, you know, a lot of kids didn't even know what Thanksgiving was about. So, I mean, we spent a lot of money. My assistants did. I mean, John spent a ton of money. I mean, John didn't get paid any money, you know. So, we're, I signed this non-disclosure form. I go ahead and sign it. But I basically, we come to some terms that he's got to come to terms on some, you know, we – he pays whatever this until for our housing until the end of March, early April. So that way, my last game, we're done. So we get the draw. We're playing first round. We're playing Victory Rock out of Florida. We played them once during the regular season. They beat us by two when we played in Kentucky. Well, they're with the reigning national championships for national champions for the ground session. Well, Tough game. We got a kid committed to LSU who's really good. I can't remember the kid's name. I mean, really good. They had all kinds. This is where this is where Dang Adele went. This is where Muhammad went, who was at Louisville. I mean, there's a lot of kids that came out of Victor Rock yeah. Prep. Very good prep school. Uh, Lauren, Lauren Jackson's the head coach down there, so they do a really good job. So we're playing them first round. We've got a lot of film on them. Uh, and basically now, words got out that David's with us. So, you know, we once, I want to say, like, eight of our last nine or nine of our last ten – so he's trying to get it switched so they don't have to play us, not unless we give them film. And I'm like, okay, well I'll give you, I'll give you film. So I gave him like two or three films. We played this team called Community School out of North Carolina, and I mean, I think we beat them by 50. He was like, they played zone the whole game, so he wasn't gonna really get a lot of what we ran off yeah. of it. So I was hoping, 
I was, tr- I was trying to get him some film where he couldn't get a lot. Because, I mean, Lauren is a good coach. So, playing them first round, come out. Well, they if a lot of people you know are listening, they run a lot of chin series, so which is like a 2-1-2 set. So, basically, they put their really good kid at the high post, and they'll cut off of him. Michigan runs a lot of this, uh, and they'll run it into ball screens. I mean, it's really hard to guard because you can't really switch out of it because there's a lot of movement. So, basically, we had the game plan where we were going to kind of press them and then basically after the first pass, we were going to match up in our 2-3. Like our so this is a question for me in, in prep school because this is a big deal. Do they have a shot clock in prep yes, school? Yes, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Because if so you're we, pressing them, that's getting them into their offense a lot later. Exactly. So we played college rules. We played uh, either 20-minute halves or we played four 10-minute quarters. Um, four 10-minute quarters was phenomenal. I yeah. like that way better. I think college has switched to Yeah, I mean, I went to the NIT last year, and that's what they did. It's definitely like – it's a no brainer. Yeah and, yeah, and not only that, they're getting more money from it too because there's more timeouts. Exactly. So to me, the flow of the game goes so much better too. Yeah. So, um, so we do play with 30 second shot clock, um, which is awesome. And I think high school also needs to go that. We can get to that later on. But so basically, they run this chin series and they're very good at it. They run a lot of ball screens out of it, which is hard to switch. And so what we do is we try to press them, fall back to our matchup two three. Kind of keep them well. The whole first half, they don't know what kind of defense they're in, so they're constantly running man against our zone. And me and you both know that's like playing yeah. right our fa- our favor. So we get like um, six, seven point lead going to halftime, and so basically I tell our guys, you know, hey, and we we've prepared this for a week. We had our we still had some of our post grad uh, kids that were still in town. So basically, I had Coach Carey and my other assistant coach. I basically taught them their playbook. And basically, we would have a separate practice with our post grad, and they were like our scout team, and they ran all their stuff. And we basically guarded them how exactly we wanted to guard them in the first half. Because, I mean, they were really good. And, I mean, they just perfected the tee. Then we switched back to regular man-to-man in the uh, second half. Game was back and forth, back and forth. They tied up with, I want to say, it was like twelve. It was like 18 seconds to go. So we put the ball in David's hands. Um, they run. They they're basically they basically run the same stuff as Lowell does because Lauren has sent so much stuff to Lowell. They he sent so many kids to Lowell in the past couple of years. So I knew all of his matchup zone stuff. So they switch man to man, which he never does. So we put it in David's hands. We kind of run like a flare ball screen with Golden State runs where we try to get a switch and they kind of late switch. David goes by the kid, hits a mid range jumper with like I want to say three or four seconds to go. We go up two. They call timeout. So now does the ball advance? No, doesn't advance. No, okay. which I think they need I, to add. That's all I think that I think yeah. they should add. Yeah. Um, so it's down on their end. I put my seven four kid on the ball. Okay. So they throw it in. Goes all the way down the floor. Nobody touches. It goes out of bounds. So we get the ball. We have four Under, seconds underneath the same goal. So we I call timeout and and basically you know they they usually zone a lot of stuff and try to make you throw it off top. Well, I got David taking it out, and we're trying to get it into Daniel so he can just run the clock out because Daniel was a good free throw shooter. Well, I kind of start them four high so they're up and their backs are to us. David throws it off his back, gets it back, dribbles the clock out, ball game. Oh, <laughs> oh man. If you couldn't have seen the look on that coach's face. And, um, and the thing, because you didn't tell him to do that. Did no. He? he just didn't. No, but the thing was, was I had him lifted high because I said, listen, if push comes to shove, we don't have a timeout. Just throw up about, throw it up around the rim, and let Mama do or somebody go try to make a play. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, 
I said, when we tap it, I was like, the clock's gonna start. There's only four seconds. So the, by the time we try to tap it in and it comes off the rim and they get it, there's maybe gonna be one second left. And if they and hit that shot, they deserve it. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, he throws it off their back and he gets it. So we move on. Um, we're playing in the second round, or we're playing in the fi- or yeah, quarterfinal against DeAndre and again. We do the same defense. We are up like 14 and a half. They have no idea what we're in. I mean, it's like taking candy from a baby. We're doing yeah. the same thing. We're pressing. They think we're a man-to-man press, fall back, first pass, switching the zone. They're overrunning man-to-man stuff. So second half comes around. Of course, we're not getting any calls again. And they and I will say this. And yes, where, where is this tournament played? This was being played in Phoenix in their hometown. Yeah. So it's even where, so not only are you playing DeAndre Ayton twice, you're playing him in his actual hometown of the Bahamas. And then where and then you're in Phoenix is. where yeah. his school is. So the foul count's already bad at this. And we prepare our kids this time because we already went through it once. So we were like, listen guys, we're not gonna get any calls. They're gonna be in the double bonus the whole game. We just gotta play through it, we got coached through it, we got control, we can control. So we're up like 12, 14 at halftime and playing phenomenal. Mamadou's playing good again against DeAndre Ayton. Uh, and that was something that Mamadou was. It was in big-time games, man. He, he was, showed up. Man, he was a gamer. And so we end up going back and forth. Well, there's a play in the game, and we get a fast break. We're up one at the time, and it's like, I'll say, three minutes left. Daniel goes up. You can hear the smack because Tori was still at home, and she was like, you can hear the smack on TV. Misses the layup. They come down and one. And mm. you know what I mean? I'm like, that. I, and the only thing I said was, big curse on. I was like, you could hear it smack. And I clapped my hand, like, you could hear it smack from all the way over here. Team me up. So <laughs> we go up from one to down two, like that. And now they're shooting a free throw and they got the ball. So they, they, I think they scored. So we're down four or five. We come down, hit a three, and then we drop it. We drop it to two. They get the ball. Um, and make two free throws. We come down. We hit another three, and then it was so like it's a one point game. So now. it's a one point game. Well, they throw it in. We foul. I want to say there's one second left, and we we barely can get a shot off. So yeah, but, I mean, kids played good, man. Good experience. We were in Phoenix, um, and then after the game, of course, Mike comes in there, gives his two cents. Our owner, and he's like. Well, if Coach would have gone to technical, we would have won the game. <laughs> oh, my it's goodness. Like, and at this point, you've of, already given your, your three weeks. Yeah. Like, how, how close to were Oh, were yeah. Just, like, just throwing blows? Yeah, I mean, that, like, and that's the thing. Like, in the Dead Spin article, I'll send it to you. You can post it on your Twitter. Like, I told the guy, or no, John, at the time when that Dead Spin article got released about us, I couldn't say anything because I signed a non-disclosure form. But basically, John stayed in there how we almost came to blows several times because not getting paid on time, the insurance stuff. Because my thing is, man, not only are you screwing me and my family and my kids over, but you're screwing these kids over too. Yeah. And me and you both know, if, like I said earlier, if you have a kid that plays for me, I'm going to love them like they're my own. You know, yeah. I want to treat them like they're my own, especially when they're working hard for me. So there was plenty of times where we almost came to blows. So at that point, I was just like, do whatever, do you. You know, so the only, the only good thing about going out there was we got a free trip to Phoenix. And By the way, that airport... That, that's one of the coolest airports oh, I've ever been Because you, you land there, yeah. and first of all, you're flying over the mountains, and it's then you beautiful. just get to Phoenix. And Phoenix literally looks like, if you've never flown into Phoenix, it literally looks like SimCity back in the day. You played on Super Nintendo. Yep. You just fly over the mountains, and then it's just a big rectangle yep. city just sitting right in the middle. Yep. And you fly in there, and it's got the big windows with the mountains. Out. So, it's, I've got a funny story about there. So, out west, 
those brutistas that like that are real popular, like the coffee places with okay. the chicks that wear the bikini. So there's one across the street, and like we're just checking in our kids, and I'm like, I text Mo, my sister, and I'm like, man, where is our kids at? He's like, you're not gonna believe, and I'm like, what? So he just sends me a picture, and I'm like, what is that? He's like, dude. It's one of those bikini coffee shops. I'm like, oh my gosh! Because of course we've got international kids. They're probably they're they're thinking they're like, oh my gosh! Like I'm just gonna move to America and I'm never yeah, moving this, back. This, this is awesome. Be everywhere. <laughs> I, I, I be honest with you, I had no idea that was a thing. I probably been over with. <laughs> yeah, so been over taking pictures. So too. like you know stuff like that, instances like that that happened all year was just hilarious. You know, like I mean, we had come find out like we had kids. I didn't know this till recently. This is bad, but. We had kids that would take the van out at night because he wouldn't give them rides. He would try to charge them to give them rides to go to the grocery. So, like, they they would sneak out because you didn't live there. No. So they would sneak out and take the van and leave. To go to the grocery store. Oh, my goodness, man. Like, this is... This is nuts. Like this, what? Like this sounds like heavyweights. Like Dude. the movie where, where Ben Stiller comes in and just like that's what this sounds like. like so I remember he sent me an Instagram video of it because they put it. They didn't put it on. They put it on Snapchat, but basically it was hilarious. Like, dude. I was like, who is that? He was like, oh, I think that's uh, Yassine. And they were going to the grocery because Mike was trying to charge. Like, stuff like that is something like he would try to charge them for anything. And that was the thing. Like, if a kid needed to ride to the airport... He wouldn't take them. Like, the assistant coaches would have to end up taking them or, co- or I would have to end up taking them or picking them up or, you know, vice versa. I mean, stuff like trying to, like – and here's the thing. There wasn't a lot to do. I mean, I'm going to say that Anderson's about the same size as Bowling Green. Yeah. So, it wasn't, it wasn't a lot to do, but it was something to do. So, like, if a kid wanted to go to the mall, go to a football game, like, he would try to charge them gas money. And I'm like, they're going to go insane. you got them living in a barn and – you don't want them to leave the house, not unless you charge them. And then, like, not. And here's the thing: like, some of our kids had money, and then some of them, you know, had a little money. But this was like their last, like their last resort. And man, and just to be honest, like after this experience, it was like going through all it. I had other prep opportunities, like come up, come up, and I actually interviewed for two different college jobs and didn't get them at the time. And you know, we're sitting there in South Carolina, and it's late July and I haven't taken a job this is July of 2017 yep and I'm just you know trying to figure out you know what in the world we're going to do and only me and my wife were like we just need to be back to Kentucky and so she actually had a really good job at a marketing firm down there and we actually ended up just it was like two weeks you know it was like we're going to move we're going to move back be closer to family uh, and then come to find out my mom She's going through her second term. She was going through her second term with lung cancer in August and kind of spread to her lymph nodes. So she was doing chemo and radiation again. And then now she's doing immunotherapy injections. So she's doing she's doing a little bit better, but she's not doing too good health-wise. So it was kind of like a you know blessing in disguise because we moved back and you know it'd be closer to Tori's mom and dad also. Um, you know, so they can see the boys grow up and then, you know, also with my mom, it was you know, and then I took the year off. It was it was extremely hard. I mean, because that's what I've done the last ten years. You know, I mean, I was yeah. five years I was assistant coach, and then five years I was a head coach. And you know, to have that enormous amount of success and then not coach, it's like I was going crazy. You know, and then I would go to high school games, like I go to King of Bluegrass and watch games, 
And then some of them, the basketball was so bad. And then when you like when you sit back and you watch it and you observe it, you see you can you can either become better as a coach or you just stay even keel because I seen like how bad and I seen some stuff that I used to do. I was like, man, I would do it differently now, you know. And it and it uh, and it drove me insane. And then you know recently um, I was offered a couple high school jobs here and just wasn't worth it. The timing wasn't right um, recently and. Now I'm coaching uh, Cooper, who's my oldest. I'm coaching his second grade AU team, and that's like herding cats at times. But it's it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely testing my patience, and um, you know it's been awesome because we've we've not lost a game. But it's it's funny because I'm running some of the same stuff that I did at high school. I just dummied it down a little bit, and we run it at that level. And some of these kids, some of these teams, don't even get past that. Because I mean, we play on a ten foot round with a girls' ball, and they're not even getting past three point line. You yeah. know, we're over running tandem. And they're trying to screen it, and we've taught our kids how to switch it. And, and man, to be honest, basketball is at a bad state right now because I help out with the fourth grade team also. Shout out to Carlos Mitchell, who's assistant coach at Fern Creek. He he runs the uh, the Team Rise Kentucky Defenders program. And um, basically, man, it's he's, he's doing a great job because he's organized, but he's actually trying to teach the kids at this age. And I tell, like, I went to go watch middle school games play the other day. My best friend's son was playing, and the basketball was so bad. I mean, it was just up and down. It was like watching open gym. They didn't run one play. It was bad shot after bad shot after bad shot. And and parents and people wonder why Louisville is behind. You know what I'm saying? Like, you go over to Indiana and watch the middle school game. Oh, it's not like that at all. It's night and day. Well, just one example. We go go to uh, Richmond. Huh? When, when oh, we were more, and we get up there late. Well, story behind that is a story for a different Snow. time because we had yes. to forfeit a game, yeah. which was terrible. No, yeah. So yeah. we get up there and we're sitting there and we're watching the team that we're going to have to play the next day. Oh, <laughs> I forgot and, all about this. Yeah, and we're sitting there and we're in the stands, and I can't lie, I was thinking the same thing that they were thinking. I just wasn't saying it. Yeah. So we're sitting there, and this team is full of a bunch of white dudes. Fundamentally sound. Fundamentally sound, but they looked so unathletic. And the team we had at Moore, we had... Jalen Sanford. We had one white kid. Yeah, Jamon Sanford, the brothers. Yeah. Yeah. And our and even the white kid for us was... Cameron Freeze. Freak, was yeah. freakishly athletic yeah. for a white yeah. guy. And we're like, oh, we're just going to out-athlete this team <laughs> and just run them out of the gym. We come out the next day and get absolutely dusted. <laughs> this kid, they beat us by like 20. Oh my gosh, that's exactly what I think about when you think about the difference between Louisville and Indiana, or Louisville really and Indiana teams. And that's the problem because they were sitting there watching it thinking it was bored, and as coaches were sitting there thinking, all right, they're not very athletic, but dude, they move the ball, they shoot it, they run yeah. their stuff, and they guard in half court. And like you go over and you watch New Albany, Jeff, Floyd Central, I mean, it's night and day. You know, yeah. there's a reason why Louisville teams don't go over and really play a lot of times. You know what I'm saying? So. But no, I mean you hit it on the head, and that was the that was, and that's a note to anybody out there coaching: do not ever take your team to watch the team <laughs> that you're going to play because they think, oh, well, they're weak. You know, I like we're going to play a game of twenty-one. We're just going to beat them. No, yeah. it's not. That's, not and that's the case. exactly what our team did the next they day. Ju- they judged the book would, by its oh, cover. I got to tell another story because this is I love this kid to death. But we go out there and we're, we're, yes, yes. So we're getting killed, and we had us. He was a junior at that point. Yeah, 
Worked his tail off. Like, hardest working player we had on that team. Great kid. Still, I'm still in contact with him every once in a while. And we put him in the game. We're getting killed. And he gets fouled. He goes up to the free throw line. And this place is the biggest high school gym that any of these kids have played. Yeah, it's called Tyrion Center. Yeah. And it's like 8,000. Yeah, it's like this really uh, cool. 15,000, actually. Because yep. it was the fifth biggest high school gym in the nation. Nation, yeah. And he goes up there. Dribbles, you know, doing this little shimmy for his free throw, puts it up, <laughs> air ball, hits nothing. It hits isn't nothing. That. And Richard is so mad at this point. <laughs> and I'll never forget it because after that game, we there was a there was a lot of commotion in the locker room. But it but then we left and went to Taco Bell. And I don't know what it was, but eating at Taco Bell and everybody being together. We snapped right out of it, went, killed the next thing we played. One of the next two games, yeah. Indianapolis Technical yeah. School, then we played Floyd Central. Central. Yeah. We had a blast. That, I mean, that trip, we were supposed to be in Florida, but that trip ended up being. Yeah. It got. That was the. I, like, we could sit here and talk stories that about that. That was the story trip. when Gentry tried to slam the chair down. Yeah. <laughs> During the oh, game. Man, we got to get that video too to put on there one time because that story is so great. And that was when me and you were rooming together and yeah. we were under all the players. Yeah. And you sent me to go get phones from all the players. Yeah. I go up there and get all the phones. Kids are giving me burners. Yep. <laughs> Two kids give me burner phones. Same Jates and yeah, I can't remember yeah. who else. Uh, I don't even remember who the other one was. So we get back and I follow all of them. And I'm like, this was posted on this. Richard, look at this. And he's like, wait, I thought you took their phone. I said, I did. You counted how many phones I had. I said, he gave us a burner. So we get back. Our next our next game is against Doss. And I suspended him. He suspended him. I was like four or five of them. It was like, he ended, I think you suspended six of them. It was, it was Yates, uh, Trey Drake. Trey Drake. Uh, Trey Stott. Stott. Yeah. Um, it was like two others. Yeah, and... We come out in that game. And, and Doss was loaded. Yeah, that was the beginning of the Doss come up. Yep. Was that, was That's that when KC was there. Yep. And we come out, still win the game on Jamon Sanford buzzer beater. Yep. That was the game you made fun of me for maybe being able to slip a credit card <laughs> under my my jump after that. Because, I mean, that like me, I was living through them. Because I played at a small school. So, like, yeah. me coming to this, like, I was – and the loss that we took at the end of the season, I took that worse than any loss I ever played in. Yeah, that, that one was tough because it was, a, you know – if, if nobody knows it, we were in the regional against Faraday, who we already beat. And it was back and forth, back and forth. Well, Jalen Sanford gets fouled like two the, seconds, left, two or three like seconds to go, and he was our best free throw shooter. And his dad thought he was really hurt, really bad. Well, he walks on the floor. Well, as soon as the coach walks on the floor, you have to sub them out. Well, outside of David Sloan, who was an eighth grader on the bench, who I look back now, it's who I wish I would have put in. Yeah. We had to put in, I think we put in James Yates. Yeah, we put in and James. James actually wasn't a bad yeah, free throw actually, shooter. I mean, I feel like he shot in the 70s, so he it wasn't was, really No, he bad. was like, I want to say he was like 75, 76%, which yeah. is pretty good. Yeah, especially for a guy that played the post. Yeah. Who didn't really go outside at, to shoot. But at the time, it's, you know, it's tied, it's two seconds left. He's get, cold. Yeah. It's two free throws, and he misses both. We go to overtime, and we end up missing a shot at the buzzer. Yeah. I mean, we actually remember we fouled a guy in the overtime. Yeah. We were trying we to behind the, him. And off the free throw. Yeah. Off the free throw miss. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, it was it was tough, man. But it's it's great to see the the spot you're in now because just thinking about all – just I mean, just hearing these stories here, I couldn't imagine the mind state you were in at that point. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was – man, it was, it was tough because, like I said, it was something that you had to deal with every day. I mean, obviously in the career and then when I was in Drew Diener, you kind of went through it a little bit. But that was the reason – 
you know, why I did the article went on Drew because I want these kids to know, like, yes, prep school has its benefits, but it's not sought out to everything it's being. So, you and Richard Gatewood that can speak to anybody. Now, I don't have the following that other people do. I'm not Joe Rogan by any means, but you can get this out to anybody. Tell if you're if you have a kid or if you have a family that has a kid that's good enough to go to a prep school. What's what should they look for? Or what should, what's the things that they should look for? That's a red flag. I mean, you know, I would I would try to get contact with scouts that's in that area. Um, you know, like Next Up Recruits is a great resource because they just don't know not only know schools here, they know them all over the country. Um, you know, you've got um, college coaches that you can actually trust. Um, you know, just you know, and I did my research, but it was like one of those things where I mean, you've got to do your research like your life dependent on it, um, yeah. and be safe with what was, it. What was the line you used on Drew Diener? You, you need to do your research like it's a midterm paper. Like it's a midterm paper. Yeah, yeah I like yeah. it. And you know, with kids today, and the thing, because I've seen prep, and there is some bad prep school. I mean, it's turning into AAU because, like, I watched them prep last year, and it was the same thing. It looked like open gym, nothing was being ran, and the main thing. Like you, like I always told you, when when kids play for me, if they go to play college basketball, when they when they get to their college coach, I want them to be like, all right, that coach and staff, not just me, that coach and staff coached them up. Like he knows what a hot closeout is. He knows, you know, how we ice ball screens. He knows terminology. He knows this. He's seen this, you know. And I feel like today, man, and it's prep and high school both. You get a lot of people that just want to run up and down, run up and down, run up and down, and they're not really teaching the game. And that's why I get back to Indiana. You know, you go over there, and at a young age, like our best player on our secondary team, he's from Indiana. He's unreal. But, I mean, they start when they're really, really little. So right. I'm glad that I've got the secondary team, and, you know, I'm coaching them and be able to do this right now because I'm teaching them fundamentals. And then we're actually – we just won our second-grade league. We won tournament, finished undefeated. We're going to move up and play third grade. So I get to get them here soon, and – what I'm going to start doing is we're going to start working on man-to-man stuff, you know, 404 shell and just trying to, like, dummy it down to where, you know, my thing is if when they do play, when they get older, um, you know, they, they know that verbiage. They've, yeah. Like, Coach Gatewood taught me that in the second grade, you know. So that's kind of cool to look forward to. Yeah, so any – I mean, I know you don't want to give away anything. I mean, I'm, you were telling me some stuff in here and – I mean, you definitely got some some bright stuff coming up in the future. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I would love to get back into it. It would have to take the right job. Obviously, Absolutely. it would have to take the right athletic director and administration because, you know, looking back, it's like, could I stay? Yes. Um, and, you know, won another regional title and kept that thing rolling because we had that thing turned into a powerhouse. You know what I'm saying? Not, not only did we come together more as a team there, we got – I mean, we put Jalen – or we didn't, but Jalen put himself in that because I don't want to take anything away from that kid. Oh. Because we would finish practice and that kid would shoot 500 jumpers after the practice was over. And that's the stuff that people didn't see about that kid. No. Because I remember talking to people in the offseason saying, you don't know about this kid and it's a travesty that you don't. Yeah. Because you told me this before. You, it, you all convinced me or you all tried to convince me in in uh, Richmond that he was better than, than Quentin Snyder. Well, when we went to head-to-head him – in the summer beforehand, he couldn't stay in front of him at the time. And you all tried to convince me of that. I thought he had qualities that were better in Q. Now Q's really good. <laughs> now, yeah, I will say I will say this. You never came out and said it. I won't mention the assistant coach yeah. and I won't mention the nickname that he had. Yeah. But he swore up and down and I said, dude, there's no way. And then Jalen got hurt, yeah. And then I saw him in person 
And then I saw him do things to teams. I, I would still swear by this. I've been I've seen Russ Smith play in person. Yeah. I've seen Ty Lawson play in person. I've seen a lot of people play in person. There is not a person in, that I've ever seen that is faster with the ball. Well, it's funny you bring it up because I worked a camp next to recruiters with Boo Brewer uh, yeah. from Barstown, and we were talking about David and Q and some fast guards. And I was like, listen. I said, I love coaching Q today. Don't get me wrong. I was like, that's two of the best point guards I probably ever coached. And I said, I'm going to tell you right now. The kid that was a and – and David and David and Q had that thing on a string. You know what I mean? Because we used to work on a double ball. They know all the drills we used to do, you know, in and out, cross, whatever. Jalen Sanford was faster with the ball both, than both of them, and he had that thing on a string because, in fact, when we played PRP – yeah. I, my brothers still bring that up because my younger brother Matt, you know Matt, that's the only game he ever got to come watch us. Yeah. He I, like I'm telling, he's like, all right, who should I watch for? I said, you'll know. Yeah. So you just watch. Well, to make a long story short, we played PRP on their senior night, and they were loaded that year. They they ended up beating Bullet East that year. They when they had Derek Willis and all that that crew, and then won the region that year. Well, we played them on their senior night, and we had them scouted. We knew they were going to try to press us. We knew we just had to get it in Jalen's hands. And to be honest. You know, we didn't. We didn't even um, have a press break. I mean, uh, it, you actually wrote it on Twitter the other day, and I liked it because he, like, we had a press break play. We yeah, never ran it, but we, we didn't have to read it. it because once he got it, I mean, it does no justice. Like, if you get any time, you just go to YouTube and put Jalen Sanford basketball, and you can see where he was getting pressed in different games, and it looked like a video game. Like, it, it really did. I've never seen anything like it until this day. I've always told his dad, and that was the thing with him and Jamon. Because they played so good off each other. You know, Jalen was so quick with the ball, but Jamal was just like a pure scorer. You oh, know what yeah. I'm saying? So, like, not only were they brothers, but they played so well off each other. You know, Absolutely. they did different things well. And Jamal handled it well, too. So, like, I told people all the time, man, my first year, yeah, we didn't have a lot of studs. I'll tell you about it. We did have – we had two studs. And – but – those two guys, I mean, they put us on their back a lot. You Absolutely. Know? Um, I mean, that they Doss, made everybody around on that. That Doss game, it was literally those two, and then Jamon hit that shot. And that, I mean, that was He like, hit two game winners that year. He hit that one in an Eastern. Oh, I forgot about Eastern. Yeah, yeah I totally forgot yeah. about Eastern. Remember, they had Jordan Brangers, who's now and playing football. And they also had Trey, Trey Moses, yeah. uh, who's now, who, who yeah. plays at Ball State. Yeah. So, I mean, they had two – and. Uh, Bringers was D1 for a little bit, wasn't he? he well, he hopped he, around. He was junior college for two years. He was junior college All-American. He was player of the year his first year. And then he committed to West Kentucky, decommitted. He was at Texas Tech, committed to them, and then he just turned pro. And he's killing it right now. Yeah, I mean, that kid was a stud, too. Yeah. So, But, no, it was cool to see because that was my very first year. And we had a bunch of kids, man, that, you know, just wanted to work hard. And, and to be honest, you know, I mean, we didn't have a lot of support, and you know, we made it worthwhile. So, but. it's it was funny, man. I was looking because you know I had the time hop on my phone. It was probably about a month ago. It pops up about every, it pops up every year. It's yeah. still like my favorite picture, and it's something that you did even when you went to Taylor County. You still drove back to Louisville to do it. It's taking the kids to the Honda Hotel. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I still regret it. It's one of my biggest regrets ever because. I have my phone out to record because I thought they were faking at first with how afraid they were. And then we get in this thing. It was that day or that night made me a fan of haunted houses because now it's like I just want to go with other people that are this scared. Well, you – I have my phone on. They're like, you can't have your phone on. Well, see, you were like 
all right, and you turned it right back on as soon as you got out. Yeah. I didn't think to do that. The video that you had, I hope you still have it. I don't think I do. That was... Most one of our players did. You to had make the, a long story you short. Had the big, you had the big ones. Yeah. So, we had James Yates. It was like Damon James Robinson. Yates, Damon Robinson, uh, Justin Richardson, and like Jalen. And I, want, I can't remember. No, I had Jalen oh, Jamon. I had Jalen Jamon. So, I had all the, big, the, ball, the big kids. Yeah. So... And we took we would we went out to eat. I think we went to Roosters. We went to Roosters yeah. over on Preston. Then so we every year I would do this. We would we would go out to eat before the season started. Then we go to Hana Hotel. So we went to Hana Hotel. And first never, of all, I'd never been to it. So first of all, we get off the bus and they got a guy with a chainsaw that doesn't have a chain on. <laughs> and our guys, you would think they were getting ready to get their leg cut off. They're taking off running. I'm like, guys, quit running because you're going to get hit by a car. It's not yeah. real. Yeah. I said, look, hey, look. I said, dude, we come over here and rev it up. I was like, am I dying? And me, <laughs> I mean, dude, I'm talking about they're taking off running, sprinting. So we get in this haunted house, and there's nothing better than taking anywhere from 14 to 18 year old young men to a haunted house and watching them freak out. It's the it's the best. I had it on video. I gotta best. try to find it. See if I find it somewhere. Because he had the video, and I'm pretty sure we started our our one like one of our practices with that video. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was the greatest. But what I was saying was every year on my time hop, I took a picture of all like my six guys after it was over, and it literally looked like they had just got done running the track. And then they sweating. cried, right, and then they cried right after. Yeah, they were sweating. It's I have the phone, the picture on my phone. It's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. I'll send it to them sometimes, and they'll just be like, "Man, that was so." Man, scary. I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot all about that. Yeah, because yes. we did do that. We went to what first year at Taylor County. I told them they looked at me like I was crazy. Like, no, guys, we'll have a blast. And we went there, and it was the same thing. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. We had a kid that was scared of clowns. So one of my buddies, Matt Turner, he's still living down there. He had his buddy bring like a big old clown head and he climbed on the bus and they didn't know he was on there. And so he stuck his head out and dude, like I'm talking about <laughs> the kids were on top of the seats. It was hilarious. There was nothing better. If there is any coaches that listen, do it because it'll bring you closer as a team. Oh, without it, a doubt. It's, it's the greatest thing. Without a but, doubt, man. Man, it's already 10-10. I know your kids are in bed now. This is the only time they've really been quiet, but hey, I've had a blast. Oh, and too, this was a a lot of good stuff, man. There's so much, so much stuff in here that wasn't on the on the radio or oh, yeah. wasn't in that article. Crazy, isn't it? it, it it's it's nuts. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's, it's nuts. It's, it's, you was dealing. We were dealing with a lot of stuff outside basketball, and that's the thing, man. Like, you know, like I told my wife, I said, you know, I miss it a lot. But if it was the right job, and this, you know, I would love to get back into high school coaching again in this area if it was the right job, just so I can impact, you know, young men's lives in a positive way and. You know, my thing is when they when you play basketball, not all of them are going to play college basketball. But what you can teach them is is that hard work mentality where they'll be successful in life. So, you know, obviously we have kids like Levante Evans and these other kids that were just really hard working kids that didn't play college basketball, but now they're being successful at whatever they do. Yeah. You know, so that's at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. I'll tell you this, man. It is a lot. It is it is great to hear you in a different mindset because I was talking to you. I think it was three four months ago, and you're just like, yeah, I think I'm done coaching. And I'm like, I text you back. I said, No, you're not. Don't, don't hit me with that. I like, I know you're like, Nah, man. I think I'm just gonna retire. And I'm like, No, it like that's what you are. We'll watch NBA. Like any aspiring coaches out there, Brad Stevens is a genius. So I DVR all his games, and if I see a good action, I'll rewind it and I'll record it on my phone. Well, like I've probably got 200 plays on my phone from like the last two years where I just record stuff. Even college games too, right? Yeah. I see that, I'm like, man, that's a that's a nice action. We rewind that. 
So there for a little bit, I was like, I was done doing it. I was like, because I'm not coaching. I'm like, man, I ain't gonna do that. So other night, Brad Stevens is playing. Yeah. He's running like he's running some good stuff, man. And I'm like, oh, let's just have it. Let me rewind it. Go start recording. Here comes Cooper. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just recording this play because I like it. That might use it. I don't know. Maybe one day with your practice. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's funny because I think this is something that you because we scouted and you took me up to. NKU, that was that was cool. It was, yeah. We went up to NKU and watched their practice. That, those those guys were so great. And that was a lower division practice. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And, and the stuff they were doing, and then they took us around their whole facility, yeah. which is unreal. Yeah. It's like a mini Yum Center. And they took us around the whole facility, and they, they did all that stuff. And I was like, man, this is great. And <laughs> so I – just that stuff, I, it made me appreciate the game more. Where some people were like, "Man, did you see that shot?" And I was like, "Did you see the set that set that up?" Yeah, or the screen. Yeah, I'm like, no, yeah. like I don't even. Some I won't even watch the ball. Yeah, and people were like, "Oh, did you see what he did with the ball?" I'm like, "No, I was watching the guys. The, yeah. I was watching the off ball screen." Like, that, and yeah. like, what? You can't watch the ball. No, yeah, I'm, like, yeah. I'm watching down here. Yeah, or somebody will be dribbling the ball. If I'm like, "Oh yeah, be ready, hit that three in the corner." And That's like, amazing. And they're like, "How did you know that?" I'm like. When you call, it's I, I've always felt like I had a good mind, but I felt like when I was coaching with you, it was like I see where he's seeing that from, yep. and it would open things up for me to where I'm seeing it. I'm like, I'll watch a Louisville game, and like last year, Snyder would be dribbling up. I'm like, all right, yeah, go ahead and hit that three in the corner, VJ, and he throw it over VJ, hit the three, yeah. and my buddy would be like, how did you know that? I'm like. Just, it's the feel of the game. You can yeah. just see. You can see how players are back in the backpedaling and everything. Like Chris Gooden, uh, who's Quentin's dad. So like the last two years when I was at Taylor County, he was like my main scouter. So like when I did the scout reports down there, he was like blown away. Like because see, KC is his cousin, who's the head coach at Butler. He coached me in high school. Well, that's how, kind of how we, I got connected with the Taylor County thing when the job came open. Well, he became one of the best scouting. Like, because you know me, I always would go out yeah. or I would take somebody with me and we would go. Like, he got to the point where I could just send him. Or if we didn't get no film, he would go. And I'm like, the stuff would be super detailed. So now he's running, uh, he's helping run next up recruits for the younger kids. And he's became a really good scout. And he's like, man, he's like, dude, it's all because of your scout report. He's like, man, I could sit there and watch a kid. And, and people don't realize when you put in that kind of work like you did when you were with me and you know like when some other assistant coaches were with me it's like you see the game in a different you know you see it a different way you don't see it as sitting back as a fan you know yeah so it was funny because you the only game you really sent me to scout was a preseason J-Town game yep and I found that I found that art, that notebook the other day and I was like man all this stuff that I wrote down I was like I knew that that was exactly what you had wanted to see, and then when I remembered that game when we played them, and what I said was right. Yep. And it, you were just—it was funny because I, this is the last story that I'll tell. I'm sitting there; their coach at that point has no idea who I am. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, "Who's this guy with the mohawk sitting behind yeah, the desk?" Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm just sitting there on my phone, and he's over there talking this, talking that. He looks up and he goes, "Are you listening to our plays?" And I was like, "Me." And I was like, no. He was like, who, who are you with? And I was like, I'm just here watching the game. <laughs> and I really wasn't listening to their play, yeah. but I was like, I wasn't going to say I'm from Moore. Yeah. Like, I can't do that. Well, then I see him later in the season at Portland Christian. He's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I'm alumni. I'm a, I, I went here. Yeah. And I was like, by the way, I just want to let you know, I really wasn't listening to your plays, but I coach it more. <laughs> and he was like, 
He looks at me, and I was like, I promise you. Like, I was there to scout you all, but I wasn't listening to your plays. Yeah. I, I was like, I'll even find the notebook and show you. Like, I didn't yeah. listen. Because yeah. I, was, I was just sitting. I was actually on my phone. And he's just like, are you listening to what I'm saying? Yeah. And I was like, no. I'm yeah. actually blown away you're talking to yeah. me. Because you're coaching a game. That's hilarious, man. So, man, thanks for taking our time. Because I know this is tough with, oh, with no, three man. boys, man. And I appreciate it. This is I, the first time I've actually been able to, like, spill the beans. Because yeah. I could really... I mean, you can't write the whole thing in the article. And then with Drew, you can only do a little bit. But, like, I just want kids to know that prep schools are not everything they sought out to be. You yeah. know, and do your research. And, you know, if you want to contact me, you're more welcome to. My email is coachrichardgatewoodjr at gmail.com. And then I'm on Twitter also, Coach R underscore Gatewood. I, I give advice to kids daily on colleges, preps, everything uh, from that in general. So, you know, they're more welcome to reach out to me. That's good because I was going to ask you to say that. So, um Man, I thank you again for coming on. It's always a blast. We of need course. to get we need to get together more. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know it's tough with with the family and everything, but it's always a good time, especially when we get us four together, me, you, Gentry, and Eric. Oh gosh. Because that's just like clown shoes. Oh god. Like it was funny because it was like you, I got there, and then you all like welcomed me in, and then they oh, were yeah. like, "Oh, this dude's just like him." Like, yeah. It was over after yeah. that. Like the fun we had. Like I don't. I, I'd be willing to say you didn't have fun like that with any other coach stuff you had. Oh, with that. <sighs> It's tough. I don't know. See, this every year it got better, but like the year of the prep school because we dealt with so much stuff. Yeah. And John and John is like a comedian, so it's like you know Mike would go through his stuff, and then John would say his two liners, and it'd be like <laughs> he would just because he had no filter. He was like, I didn't sign no contract, and I'm not getting paid any money, so I don't care. So you know, like it the was thing, just great because like, anytime I would do anything. It would always go back to me being the Mohawk dude. Every every time, it would always be that. And then I was actually, during that summer, I lost all that weight. Yep. And then you were just giving me all this crap. Then Eric came and was like, who's the who's this, the, the guy from the Jersey Shore yeah. playing basketball with our team? Like, stuff like that. And like, I, What's like he makes fun of me now because yeah. I lost a lot of weight because the year after my grandma passed, I started working out daily and then, like, it got obsessed. So now... I actually work out with, I don't know if you've heard of it, it's called F3. It's a fellowship uh, faith uh, group with men, and okay. we work out uh, every morning at 520. There's different locations out through the city, but we're based on faith, and we get up in the morning, and they make the the workouts as hard as possible, so that's the hardest part of your day, and then we get together, we pray, and shout out to those guys also, because I've, I've been going now, uh, my buddy Josh uh, got me going out there about a month and a half ago, so, but yeah, man, it's... it's uh, it's amazing who you meet on the path. Yeah, he he says when I lose all that weight, he comes yeah. in there. What I'm getting to is I've lost all this weight, so he tries to tell people I'm on meth. I'm like, yeah. dude, that's not cool. Oh my god, that's not cool. But see, like for me, it's like so I think that's funny. Like, like, yeah, because we, uh, we know, know each other. Eric yeah. and like just, it, like the league, the the show, the league is yeah. exactly how we were. Like just like throwing one liners at each other all the time. The thing, the thing, it's hilarious. Is like each staff I've been on. Everybody on each staff would have got along and had a blast because yeah. we were all like just basketball junkies that love kids. And, you know, I, that's the thing I've been blessed with. I've been able to, to like get guys like you, like Gentry, like Eric, uh, Chris Good, Greg Oliver, who was at Taylor County with me, uh, Jordan Ballard, and then uh, John Carey and Alex Moe at 20 feet. Like, get kids who actually care about, I mean, guys who care about kids, you know, at the end of the day. So, but no, the, the, 
the funny story that we said earlier, and then we're going to be done. When Gentry, we were playing against Floyd Central in Richmond, Indiana. Oh man! So kids are trying. <laughs> you kids used are to trying have this video, right? Kids, I got it somewhere. Kids are trying to shoot threes in warm-up lines, right? Yeah. So our bigs are out there shooting threes, and Gentry's sitting there, he's getting madder, madder because we just won the game before then. So if we win this one, we win the consolation bracket. And he's like, just keep shooting them. Just keep shooting them. They'll eventually fall in. Keep shooting them, right? Yeah. So then James Jates becomes a smart aleck, and he tries to, like, pro-hop and stuff, right? So we get in the game, and he's the one who ends up missing the layup. Yeah. And he's right next to the rim. He, like, throws it over. He might have got fouled. And Gentry goes up to, like, slam his chair down. And when he slams it down, it folds in, and he falls <laughs> straight down on his and butt. And this gym is a college that has maybe, like, 15 people in the and whole the crowd. whole bench, though, the whole bench, like, looks behind and, like, looks <laughs> down to see what happened. It's yes. funny. And I'm <laughs> sitting right next to him, and you're sitting on the other side of me. He falls, <laughs> he falls right between us. We both turn the opposite way, and you're just like, <laughs> like, trying not to, like, yeah. crack up because we're in the middle of a serious yeah. game, and it's like, oh, my god. That's just one of the many fun. Now, I do remember this, though. We did start the next film session. You didn't even go into watching the game. You literally went straight to that clip <laughs> and had it edited to where it just played it, like, five times in a row. It, dude, the, the whole locker room was just, like, blowing up at that point because we were just cracking up because it was some uh, one of the coaches making a mistake instead of watching one of the players yeah. do it. Yeah. So. But, man, this I'm glad that we have kept so close since then and – you know, Eric said, you know, you know you're going to get a call if he gets another job. And I'm not going to lie to you, even with as successful as this has gone so far, it's going to be very tough not to get back into that. Yeah. So don't – just because I said that to you earlier, it doesn't mean don't give me the call because it's going to at least give me something to think about. Exactly. So, man, like I said, thank you again. Guys, you're going to enjoy this episode. I mean, this is the longest episode I've had, and I knew it would be because I knew that this story was going to be long. Yeah. So – Keep liking, keep sharing. Uh, I'll get this one out. I'll probably, yeah, I'll get this one out tonight because uh, it's not going to take that long to get it, everything together. So I'll get this one out tonight and uh, try to share it some more tomorrow so that you all, because this is a story you are going to want to hear. Yeah. And at this point, if you're hearing this part, you've already heard it. Yeah. So, like I said, keep liking, keep sharing. I'm going to keep putting these episodes out. Y'all have a good one. Later. <laughs>